Drama City Productions presets. Access granted. Welcome, nerd. ANS update in progress. Cultivating 2018 clips. Processing openers. Accessing episode 48. Now, Damon, I had a question for you. All right. Or more just like an opinion-based question. Sounds good to me. Now, if something is has a CGI background and all the characters are CGI, would you consider still consider that a live-action film? No. No, that would be an animated film? If all the characters are CGI? Yes. And the background CGI? Yes. But there's actors on a stage? No. No? Everything is CGI. So everything's 100% CGI? Yes. So it's not like a bunch of actors with fucking green dots all over them or whatever? I don't, I don't know if they went that far. It's not Phantom Menace. I haven't checked or, that out. Or uh, Revenge of the Sith. No. Okay. There isn't going to be a main character whatsoever that will be human. Because it's a CGI movie. It's not live action. Right? Yeah. Okay. Well, Disney is considering Lion King, their new Lion King film, to be a live action film. But there's no actual animals or anything like no. that? No. And, and it's not like I'm saying that I would rather see, you know them use live like real animals and have to do the fucking the mouth fucking, thing like, discovery and... channel yeah exactly <laughs> people getting mauled by lions by simba but i don't know why that bothers me it bothers me that they're calling it a live action film when it's cool there's it's nothing just... alive on film yes yeah um last week they finally released their first like trailer for it it's, it's pretty much the opening sequence for lion king where it's you know he's holding the baby lion up Simple, right? Yeah. Simple. Hmm. It's a circle of life. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Elton John's gonna sue us. Um, I've never seen the Lion King. You've never seen the Lion no, King? I've never seen the Lion King. I think I was at that middle. I think I was maybe a middle school freshman at that point. Hmm. So I was just too cool for it. <laughs> you know, I had no interest. So I missed a lot. I think I stopped with the Disney movies at like Aladdin. Gotcha. And then that was it. So I've never seen Lion King. Like I know the gist of the story. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but yeah. So but <laughs> yes, I did read Shakespeare in high school. Um. Uh, but yeah. No. I yeah. I've never seen the Lion King. So I mean, I saw the trailer. I watched the trailer, but I was like, I have no interest whatsoever in this movie. I mean, that came out the year I was born. Uh. Uh-huh. And you know. Being you date me, Christian. <laughs> <laughs> Being not only a '90s baby, but also the son of uh, like an African immigrant, that was you know a film that he of course put on for me. So it's okay. something I grew up with, and still so it means a lot to you. Yeah, so except I've, I've been... for the fact that they're calling it fucking live action. <laughs> I don't know that bothers me. I understand that um, we're on this kind of like craze where we're taking animated films and we're making it into live action um, all over the place. Um, you know, they're doing that with Pokemon. They're doing that with um, uh, Aladdin is next. That's their next big slated yes. one as well. Uh, but that actually has actors in it, right? Yeah, that has actors in it. Okay. I, I liked what they did with Cinderella. So the ba- hold on. Backtrack yes. here. So <laughs> the background of Life, uh, Lion King is not actually like I don't in know the how much is filmed and what isn't, but it, for the most part... it looks like it's literally in the jungle. Like, I, I get that the, you know, animals aren't there, mm. but... Um, from what I understood is that those those are imposed um, images. The animals right. are imposed. 
And the background. And the background. I mean, it could have been... So it's just on a computer? (laughs) (laughs) Someone is animating, yes. Because that looked amazing for that to be... Yeah, it's still still good Disney money being thrown into it. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Okay, okay. But that's... Yeah. I mean, maybe unless, like, some of... Like, it's actually, like, they just, you know... And I feel like it on like actual like <laughs> jungle, like maybe that's how they're passing it off as like live action. I wouldn't be surprised if they just did like one day of filming, you know, like they filmed different areas that they wanted and then but they still you know, they had to heavily animate that to Yeah, just storyboard it out, exactly. you know, scene for scene, like or the scene takes place here. Mm. You know, you scout the environment and then you just film it for like a minute. <laughs> and you just superimpose it. Exactly. Right? Like, yeah. That's all you have to do. Uh, what a fucked up world we live in. <laughs> Accessing episode 19. Ah, we'll get through it. We'll Got some get good comics it. to talk about, too, you know? That's true. That's true. I think I'm going bald. Mm. So I decided to start growing out my hair this past month. You know, I've been shaving my hair, like, really close mm. for about 10 years. And uh, not all my hair came back. <laughs> so I'm a little... You got like an evil M thing well, going on. Yeah, well, I shaved it again. After I realized <laughs> I'm going bald. So I might go complete... I might decide to shave it all the way like Professor X style ah. this summer. So I might test it out and see like how lumpy my head is. You see, the audience doesn't have to see you, though. I do. <laughs> yes, we'll be fine. I'll be a handsome bald man. Yeah, I'll let you polish my head for me, oh, Christian. God. Oh, yes. See, it's happening. It's happening. I'm lucky where there's no bald gene on either side of my family. Yeah. You've got a nice head. Oh, my hairline's a little gone. I, it's, sure. No, it's a big forehead. Okay. Are it's you a sure? really big Are you forehead. Sure? You, keep you on should see my mom that. <laughs> and my grandfather. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. So it's truly genetic. Yes. That's okay. annoying. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. It was a little bit of a surprise when I was. <laughs> You know, looking at the back of my head, like, oh, I should go ahead and get it, you know, go to the barber and get a haircut, you well, know. See, now you can do and that. then I looked back there and I was like, oh, wait a second. I'm missing <laughs> something. <laughs> a little spot there. Now you can do all those X Men cosplays with your daughter and your yeah. family. We'll see. We'll see if my wife lets me go ahead and go completely <laughs> bald. I don't think it's going to happen. So I just might be stuck with this haircut for the rest of my life. So it hides the gray, too, kind of. So whatever. Being 40 sucks. <laughs> I'll never reach it. <laughs> wow. That's dark. Oh, doubt it. I'll probably be there. Oh, Christian, you're fine. Uh-huh. You'll make it. <laughs> to at least 40. Accessing episode 43. I just got through watching uh, Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. It's a yeah. family tradition here in the Raffi household. Watching with my daughter. I've got a four-year-old. And, my God, it's not a kid's cartoon <laughs> at all. Those are some miserable kids. Yes. Like, Charlie Brown's friends are a bunch of assholes. <laughs> the way they treat Charlie Brown is insane. Yes. My God. I mean, I love that shit. Again, I still love it. Mm. You know, and it's totally, like, nostalgia and everything. But there's a reason why Charlie Brown has a therapist. <laughs> and the fact that his therapist... Is like his biggest bully at the same time is pretty fucked up if you think about it. But like I'm watching this, I'm like cringing at everything. I was like, man, they treat Chuck like shit. They really do. Like I wouldn't. I, would you blame him for snapping? 
No. Like, it's insane. <laughs> what the hell were we watching all these years? I don't know. I've never been a big Charlie Brown fan. Really? So. Oh, my God. I ate that shit up as a kid. <laughs> every special, like every holiday, you know, there's mm-hmm. a special. There's the Thanksgiving, the Christmas, obviously, the Halloween. Even there's the Easter, you know, the Easter Beagle, whatever. But, man... I love Great Pumpkin, but that whole, like, I just feel so bad for Charlie. Like, even the neighborhood, like, the neighbors are assholes to him. They keep on giving him fucking rocks when he's trick-or-treating. Like, every, like, that's the whole thing. Like, he trick-or-treats, and then everyone tells them what, you know, each other what they got, and then Charlie Brown pulls out, and he's like, I got a rock. There's no way, like as an adult, I every time I end up, you know, watching an episode, I just, you know, it turns off and I feel depressed. Like it's a depressing <laughs> fucking cartoon. Like the Christmas one's the worst of all, though. That one's just horrible. But like, you know, you feel bad for Linus. He's sitting in that pumpkin mm-hmm. patch. You know, a lot, like I don't know where these this these kids like parents are. You know, it's like three o'clock in the morning. He's still sleeping in the pumpkin patch, and his sister comes and gets him for crying out loud. I think there's some like. Weird um, <sighs> conspiracy theory about that <laughs> that moment about him and the great pumpkin. I'm just trying to remember what it is. Okay, like him having some like maybe taking drugs or something while <laughs> there. What? I, don't <laughs> <laughs> I guess it makes sense, but I mean, the kid, the poor kid, just has his holidays mixed up, and everyone <laughs> shits on him because of it. Like, uh, <laughs> I just feel horrible for these kids. So I don't know. I don't know, but yeah, yeah. Yay, great pumpkin. <laughs> Accessing episode 35. Show episode 35. 35. That's a little reminder for me because I messed up last week. Yes, it is not episode <laughs> 23 or 24. I was confused. I almost turned off the episode. So oh, sorry geez. to any fans who <laughs> missed the last episode. Um, but Christian had other things on his mind. Yeah. He was headed to... The Comic Con, Chicago Comic Con. Yes. Is it is it Wizard World? Still? It's Wizard World. Yeah. Okay. So All it's right. Wizard World, Chicago Comic Con. Yes. It used to be a, a big deal mm-hmm. here. Um, now it seems like C two E two is kind of like taking over that mantle. Mm-hmm. There's a new uh, con coming oh, this Ace year. Ace Chicago Comic Con. Yeah. Is it? It's its first year, correct? I I think so. I okay. haven't heard of it till now, so. Because so, when they released the information with all these big celebrities being there, I was like, okay. So, <laughs> yeah, there's some big names mm. on that. But Chicago Comic Con, Wizard World, not so much this year, huh? It was mostly like TV actors. Some, um, I would say, past, not past, okay, I don't want to be rude <laughs> and say past Just say prime past the prime. But like, yeah. It used, I mean, it seems like lately. You know, the past couple years is kind of the Comic-Con, and rest in peace, but like, you know, like where you'd see like Adam West or something like that mm-hmm. show up, um, you know. Well, like, the last time I even went to this, Stan Lee was there, there was big, There was a lot of big it names. It used to so. be a bigger name, but I feel like C2E2 kind of took all the, mm-hmm. you know, shine off of Wizard World. Um, Marvel used to show up, DC used to show up and do things there, now not so much. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I... The luster's kind of gone. I mean, I'm sure it was still a good time. I mean, yes, I still got what I came for, which was mostly the Ruby content and the Ruby people that were there. Um, and then my girlfriend got to meet her, like, favorite person from Charmed, and it was, like, um, 
I was just like I was pushing her to go say hi to people because like she was like nervously walking around. Okay. And um, this, I guess, this girl that was running that guy's booth said, "Oh, I like your hair. Would would you be interested in like getting a free photo and autograph with him?" Just randomly. Like yeah, that? like she's like, I've been wa- I've been noticing you walking back and forth in the con. I was like, are, are did you- they use it for their social media or something? No, because it was on her free. phone. <laughs> it was on her phone. She well, was like, really nice. It was really nice of her. Um, she like pretended to scan my badge and got her a free thing. Oh, that's awesome. So that's really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Shout was, out to whoever that guy is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know my charm, so I'm not a big charm guy either. Um, God. It's got a nice like following though. Yes, you can you can see it on our Instagram. Yes, yes <laughs> everything's posted on Instagram. Christian took a lot of amazing pictures. Um, a lot of awesome cosplayers. But when it there. came to be my turn, was the like, I I've been like super confident to this point, and uh, then I got to meet them, <laughs> and I was I was these are, these are the the uh, the voice actresses for uh, for Ruby the main team. Okay. Um, Did your uh, knees start to shake? Hmm? Did your knees start to shake? N- be honest. Yes. <laughs> this was like you didn't uh, trip. No. Can we uh, tell people that story? What? Oh, CM Punk. <laughs> Years ago, years Christian ago, went yes. to meet CM Punk, and what happened, Christian? Um, Is that a signing, right? Yes. No, it was a photo. So I got to take okay. a photo with CM Punk, and the guy before me, like we like did that whole like back and forth dance, like we didn't know who could pass who. Then I of course tripped past him. Punk's of course like, oh, the awkwardness of Comic Cons. <laughs> he's laughing it off. I'm like, this is great. This is the worst moment of my life. <laughs> Poor Christian. <laughs> um, so nothing like that happened. No, no, no. With no. the Ruby Girls. Like, um, I was Wait, fine I with say. the the first three, but the last one does other shows and is a big part of Rooster Teeth, the company that makes it. Okay. So I guess I just I just shut down. Like I wanted to say like all these things. I just shut down. She's like, "Are you are you okay?" Oh. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> she had to yes. get you through it. She okay. guided me through it, and eventually I was able to like. Let her know why I'm a big fan and all that stuff. And oh, she came cool. out and she hugged me and it was awesome. That's really sweet. That's cool. Hmm. It's always nice when you meet like one of your heroes and they're actually, you know, a good person. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Just not mocking you while you're on the floor. Yes. <laughs> so, um, but, and then you got a big like photo taken with all mm-hmm. of them and everything. That's awesome. Processing news. Accessing episode 39. We went full Joker, man. Yes. We got the stills. You never go full Joker, Damon. <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> they went full Joker. Um, well, we actually got a little. We got a little teaser video mm. first um, from Warner Brothers, giving us our first look at Joaquin Phoenix in the Joker makeup. Yes. And then we got leaks. I don't think they were actually right. They weren't. Yeah, released it, it by was like them. like what a thirty second phone video. Well, yeah, I didn't even see that. I just saw the photos mm. first, um, and they're kind of you know gritty and not necessarily the best quality. So I'm assuming that it's someone you know watching them film that they you know mm. had, but they leaked everywhere quickly. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, no, no. Uh, what was your thoughts on our first look of this like new Joker? You know, I. I didn't immediately... Like, a lot of people, I feel like, immediately see this and think Heath Ledger's Joker, mostly just because it's the paint, and, you know, it's, like, drawn on more. I didn't feel that way with mm-hmm. the initial, like, teaser trailer that they... I guess it's not really a, even a trailer. I, I don't know if it's, like, a makeup test or something, but... um, 
it's a very well done, like high quality mm. makeup test if it is. But yeah, I didn't get that at first. I almost felt like it was very almost like traditional like clown makeup, almost like C- Cesar Romero's. Like you know, I was surprised by the choice that they made. Yeah, especially after I mean they they show him having that makeup it's right after they show the original pitch pictures, which is him interacting with that clown that has the exact same makeup. Mm-hmm. And so, then the photos that got leaked. That definitely felt like it echoed like Heath mm. Ledger's like makeup, which I'm fine with. I don't have an issue with it. It has more color around the eyes and stuff, but I don't know what people I don't are know. expecting. I dig the smile and I dig the frown so far, and I yes. think that captured it captured Joker's like essence very well so far. So. Yes, at uh, least it's not Jared Leto's Joker. Yes, so at least he doesn't have fucking damaged tattoo <laughs> across his forehead and a grill in. Mm. So um, it felt very more traditional. I mean, he's wearing the purple suit. He's wearing, I think he's got the green vest on. Um, so I, I was cool with it. I thought I didn't have an issue at all with it. And I mean, I feel like he's just going to kill it, you mm. know, in his performance. Just that like 30 second little teaser we saw. I was already hooked. So, um, and it, this, the photos that leaked, um, were interesting too. Like there's kind of like, I don't know, it looks like there's some kind of like rally or something going on. Like there's people like protesters holding signs, but did you see the one sign that says like blame Wayne? No. Across it? Yeah. There's like a, then there's some people in like clown masks going out. So I don't know if there's like a movement going on. What the hell is happening in this movie? Going a little white knights. There is... A, a sign that says blame Wayne and we've heard that Thomas Wayne is in this movie so they originally cast Alec Baldwin in this role and then he had to bow out for some reason I think they cast someone else and I don't know who exactly but they casted someone else um we do know that it's supposed to take place in the 80s so and um the character of Thomas Wayne is supposed to be some kind of like almost slimy like businessman so um, they're definitely not following, you know, the comic book origins, mm-hmm. you know, of Batman. So this would definitely put, if that's true, this would definitely have a huge age gap between, you know, the Joker yes. and Batman. Depending on if how they, they even go it. that route, I, we mm-hmm. don't know exactly what they're doing. Here. Well, you could even have it be it's a younger Joker when it's Thomas Wayne there, and then you mm-hmm. show him like as cause and effect, like. Because this happened, this is why this Joker is this. And maybe, maybe, we don't know, maybe the Blame Wayne is actually Bruce Wayne, and it is an older, you know, mm-hmm. at that point, it's later on, you know, in the story. So, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, though. I want to know what the hell's going on. I mean, we're a year out, though. I thought it was interesting that they released that little, like, teaser, mm. though. I guess I wonder, if it's like, what kind of perspective are they really showing in this? And, like, is he slimy because it's from... Joker's perspective is it like like I don't know I'm not sure I mean it seems like they kind of said like he's a stereotypical like 80s mm. like Wall Street kind of businessman so I right away think like Michael Douglas and yeah, Wall exactly. Street or something like that along those lines so I don't know I it's interesting they also I know that what's her name um from Domino uh not from, oh. Domino, from Deadpool <laughs> 2 um Zazie Beats. Beats is going to be a love interest of the Joker and we don't know if they are following you know the killing joke storyline is this actually his wife or is this someone else you know we'll see i'm excited about the casting we know Mm. robert de niro is also in this movie he's supposed to be some kind of talk show host that's supposed to like inspire the joker somehow 
So there's a lot of little things kind of leaking out. I'm not sure why they're not holding their cards so like close to the vest right now. It does feel like there's a lot of leaks coming quickly with the movie being like a year out. Mm-hmm. You know, it feels like Warner Brothers likes to test the waters a lot. Um, I hope that they just have confidence and let their director do his thing and let their creators create yeah. and just, you know, not change anything based off of internet reaction. Because fuck that shit. You know, I mean, I'm sure people reacted natively to Heath Ledger's makeup originally. Oh, yeah, no. You people know. were like, fuck this guy. Yeah. Who thought he could be the actor for Joker? It, so, I mean. It was such a negative reaction to that. Like, whatever. And look at that performance. Mm. So, uh, I just, I hope that they're not too worried about what the internet's saying and just let them do their thing and just trust, you know, the artist's to do art mm-hmm. so but we'll see warner brothers likes to shoot themselves in the foot a lot. <laughs> they used to know how to do this shit i mean we we got three awesome batman movies out of them mm. so i don't know hopefully they're back on track accessing episode 30 oh i'm a little jazzed this episode you're jazzed yeah jazz i think that's the right word to use right now if you're like 70 <laughs> <laughs> who says jazzed who cares? You're in your 20s, man. Jesus. Am I, though? <laughs> Mentally? Not really. Yeah, I guess you're <laughs> 20 going on. What? Oh, no, you're not 20. You're 20, what, 24? 24, yes. 24 going Reason. on, like, 55. Mm-hmm. So, but I did okay. not get enough birthday you're, wishes on Twitter. <laughs> you're an old soul, Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not ready for this episode, man. we got a lot yes. to talk about. What, what are we lot. talking about today, Dan? We are talking about San Diego Comic-Con. Yes. All the big announcements, all the awesome trailers that dropped, well, mm-hmm. and some not so awesome trailers. Um, some great comics came out this week, yes. and we got a whole lot of wrestling to talk about. G one is just getting crazier. And so crazier. yeah, strap on in. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be a ride, folks. So <sighs> why don't we start off with San Diego? Yes. All right. Big big trailer that dropped. You know the Titans are back. What'd you think? What'd you think? <sighs> Fuck Batman? <laughs> Fuck Batman. Fuck Batman. Um, Fuck DC. Really. I I don't know what <laughs> happened here. I was actually legitimately excited for this show hmm. until I saw this trailer. Exactly. This feels like, and I know there's big fans out there, but this feels like a very like Zack Snyder-like CW hmm. show. You know, like, it, it's just this weird hodgepodge mesh of the two, like, the worst parts of those yes. two. Um, just, they don't look like the Teen Titans that I remember, this, like, dark, brooding, you know, group that we've seen. I mean, they, it could just be all in editing and what they chose to mm. show us and everything. But, I mean, there's definitely some teenage angst going on in the Teen Titans books, but... This just, I mean, Robin fucking cracking necks and shooting people in an alley. I, just insane. Just insane. I, um, that's not, I mean, I don't know what Robin, <laughs> I don't know if this is Damien or I'm assuming it's Dick Grayson. He's a, he's a cop too. Mm-hmm. So. The personality definitely fit more of either Jason Todd or. Don yeah, Damien. maybe Jason Todd. I just, you know, Robin does go through this angst period mm-hmm. when he, you know, forms the Teen Titans where, you know, He's just kind of done with Batman, and he's kind of rebelling against him, but not to, like, this level, you know? Uh, I don't remember him ever saying, fuck Batman, or shooting people, for that matter. So, it just felt like it existed in the same world that, like, Batman versus Superman 
you know, existed. So I was kind of turned off by that. How'd you feel about the um, character designs for everyone else? Um, I was okay with Ravens. Um, who else did we see? We saw Beast Boy, Starfire, and then... Starfire was okay. Hmm. I, I heard people complain about Starfire, but I don't understand what their issues are because you don't really see that much of her. Hmm. I thought she was fine. Um, Beast Boy, I thought looked poorly done. You know, with what you can do with effects nowadays hmm. and everything. And I mean, there's so many like good makeup people out there. It just looked like a kid, you know, dressing up as Beast Boy for, you know, the San Diego Comic-Con, like, mm. cosplay or something like that. So I, I was disappointed with that. Um, I don't know, man. Just the whole vibe just seemed wrong. Yeah. You know, it just... They deal... The Teen Titans in the books, they deal with a lot of, like, dark stuff. But, I mean, this just didn't capture the spirit of I the mean, team. you can use Raven as that portal to darkness. Yes. But... Oh, yeah. I don't know. Have... I don't, and maybe this is just the way they chose to like sell the show, and maybe there's. They did uh, not sell it. Yes, <laughs> and maybe there is a lighter, you know, lighthearted tone in there somewhere, you know, but, you know, maybe this was just kind of like Raven's arc that they were really exploring with this trailer. I don't know, I'm making excuses for that. Right, right, right. But it just, it really did nothing for me. It oh, really did. I wanted to ask you, what do you think. Dick is doing is is he a cop or no? He's he... a well. Uh, Dick Grayson is a detective. Also, there's okay. a there's a point where he becomes a detective. I don't. I think it's actually in Chicago, um, Chicago or Detroit. I can't remember. But um, when he becomes Nightwing, I believe he kind of like you know his dual identity is a police officer. So I believe that's probably what's going on. It's just like the space. Just I don't feel so like he's in that point in the comics that mm-hmm. i don't think he's there when he forms teen titans though i feel like he's younger yeah in the comics but you know i, I forgive that stuff <laughs> i get i understand why they're doing what well they're doing. i mean they they named it just titan so i'm assuming yeah they're trying to get the whole team part especially out. what we got from this i'm assuming they're a little bit older i'm yeah. hoping it just feels weird too with like how successful the two cartoons have been mm-hmm. that you wouldn't want to like try to capture some of that audience i know that they're older now but this just feels so different than what they had in those two like cartoons the first one especially i loved um i'm not a huge fan of what titans go is oh, always yeah. called mm-hmm. i don't teen titans go yeah yeah it feels very spongebob to it, me it's yeah it's very <laughs> on the nose with everything so but um yeah i love that first series though mm. i really did i thought that was well done um but yeah, no. So I was I was very disappointed <laughs> with the trailer. So was I. I was like in, in pure shock when I, as soon as he said "fuck Batman," fuck Batman. Well, no, before that, when I saw him crack someone. Well, neck. it's funny because it didn't even register. Like when he said "fuck Batman," I kind of focused on that, and I didn't even register. Oh shit! He started shooting people. Mm-hmm. Like or, or the or the neck crack. I had to watch it again. I'm like, wait a second, what the hell's going on here? <laughs> um, it's just it's it's disappointing because we've seen, especially like this last few years, we've seen so many darker characters and darker storylines played out on all these different shows. I mean, just look at Marvel and Netflix, just in general with Punisher and Jessica Jones. These kind of darker, grittier angles. Yeah, it just feels tone deaf to what mm-hmm. you know. A lot of the complaints of like you know the DC you know universe has been you know at least with the films. So, and they do, from what I hear, I have not watched any of, like, the CW shows, but I hear that those shows are great, and they've got a lot of fans around that. This feels completely different than those shows, 
you know, than Flash and like all the Arrowverse shows. Mm. So I don't know why they just didn't do more of that and less of whatever this was. So I, I'm not personally a fan of where they are, especially with the CW, the Arrowverse shows at the moment. Mm-hmm. It's just it got really campy. Okay, I, but if I if I look back to like Arrow season one and two, where they were dealing with this kind of more dark character, he was okay with killing at first, and mm-hmm. he was. Um, kind of dealing with like him being this vigilante he's trying to like find his way exactly i can i would rather see that than what we got with this where it's just everyone's just like fuck you yeah just seem out of character Mm. like i just never see robin use a gun or you know and just when i think about dick grayson in general i i feel like it would be a more interesting contrast to have him as almost this kind of I mean, leader like balancing like you know yeah, balancing especially with raven there discovering i mean this is a raven that seems to be discovering her powers and discovering who she is and scared of mm-hmm. how she feels when she uses because she makes the comment that she likes the darkness that exactly. she feels um so it would make sense for him to be more of a guiding light than mm-hmm. this kind of you know um, like just this just seems like oh they're all just gonna be villains by the end of this <laughs> <laughs> it was an interesting choice, mm. you know, for the first, you know, trailer to be really focused in this dark, you know. Like, that plus it's it's their flagship, like, show that they've been commercial. Well, and I've been totally in the bag for the streaming service. I think I was talking to you about mm. that. I think it's like seven ninety five. I was like, oh, I'm going to get this. There's no way. I mean, with the Titan show and then with um, Young, Young Justice, Justice coming back and they're talking about, like, there's going to be, like, trades available. Like, you could read books on the streaming service also at the same time. That's I was like, I'm totally gonna, you know, <laughs> I'll be, I'll be definitely taking that monthly hit. Accessing episode 49. Um, on the movie front, also we got a strong rumor floating around about Star Wars Episode Nine. Yes, Star Wars news. Yes, um, we are hearing, and this is from some random Reddit user, as always, who I guess was part of some kind of, I don't know, meeting that they did with, like, Disney. Like, I don't know if it was, like, on the business side, but for some reason, they're showing, like, different, like, I don't know. He's he's now living in his own horror movie as as Mickey Mouse chases him with a hammer. (laughs) He just brought out news for Star Wars. And they will track him down. Oh, yes. They will track him down. (laughs) But I guess some kind of business expo, but for some reason they're showing kind of like designs for episode nine or something like that, like character designs. But something that they focused on a lot was the Knights of Ren, supposedly. So, and that's something that we were talking about, I believe, when we were talking about the last episode of Star Wars, where we were really disappointed that they there was no mention of the Knights of Ren. I think it was whatsoever. an element that they really missed an opportunity on. Yes, yes. I feel like Ryan Johnson would have done a great job with them as well. Well, Ryan, Ryan Johnson came out and said that he felt like there was no place for them in the film, unfortunately. He, I guess, I don't know if he toyed with the idea of having them be, like, the guards in the mm. whole, like, throne room um, for that epic fucking battle scene um, between, you know, with Kylo Ren and yes. Rey. But um, he felt like that they would just be kind of like faceless characters and it wouldn't really do their story mm. justice. So now that JJ has picked up the reins again, you know, and those are his characters that he created in that storyline. Um, it kind of makes sense that they would dive into it more. And it, you know, you've got a Kylo Ren who's fully in charge of the empire. So, um, or the new order, if you will. Unless they just morphed into the Empire again, and it would make sense since he's such a fanboy. Uh, <laughs> but to have, you know, 
Yes. His people. Just as long as it's his not, crew. You know, just as long as it's not forced. You know, make it make them important parts of the story. Have them egging him on, making him like more of the villain of the story or something like that. Or I guess they'll probably come out to be I I'm assuming and this is all speculation. <laughs> Kylo Ren turns good. And yes. they will have to fight the Knights of Ren. Exactly. But make them something of an enemy. Of make something it mean of a something. Force. Mean something. Exactly. I, I think that's what we were kind of talking about before. We feel like Kylo's going to turn turn face here. Yeah. You know, by the end, you know, like a good Skywalker. Mm. So, uh, but yeah, no, I could definitely see them used, you know. And it, it makes sense that, you know, Kylo would want some loyal people around him when he's got a sniveling rat bastard yes. like Hux running around, you know, who's obviously probably trying to overthrow him left and right. So, um, if he's still around at this point, you know, so, cause I'm still speculating. This is a couple of years into the future. Do you think Matt Smith will be one of the knights? Matt Smith. Oh, the, um, what's his name that yeah, was announced? He was announced. Mm-hmm. Um, he's older, right? Yeah. He's like, uh, 30. I, I always picture them younger. Like they're they're, of, they're a little younger than <laughs> yeah, but you know he's gonna want to be unmasked. They're not just gonna have him, you know, mm. bubble fat. You know, um, he's got a young face. I guess. I guess. I feel like they need to look younger than Ren. And this is just me once again speculating. Mm. But I feel like there are people that like you know, Kylo was able to like kind of manipulate and that like looked up to him and everything. Mm. Um, that's just me. You know, so I have no idea what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> I was not at the business expo. Mm-hmm. I did not see any fucking, you know, um, art or anything like that. So who knows? But, and this is just coming from a random Reddit user who, I I mean, that's where it seems like all the big news breaks. Yeah, nowadays. another thing that was circulating around on Reddit was that, I mean, they keep mentioning it. It's the end of the Skywalker saga completely. Mm-hmm. There won't be any more focus on the Skywalkers going on. And it's leading to a lot of people to question what is the Skywalker saga at this point. Mm. Mostly because, you know, these last three films hasn't necessarily been about them other than Kylo being a Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, he's a big part of the film, so it is I part guess. of the legacy. <laughs> Regardless if they want it or not, mm-hmm. it is part of the legacy. Um, I don't know. Uh, who? Someone came out, once again, random article, but uh, someone was saying that they do really, it's they serve Leia's character well in this, where, you know, they give her the proper closure um, that she deserves. So that's nice to hear. Is it true? Who the fuck knows? Mm. You know, I can't even remember. Oh, I think it was, um, it was Oscar Isaac, actually, who came out and said it. So what does that mean? I don't know. (laughs) But I mean, we'll see. We'll Mm. see. I'm fucking nervous about this film. I'm not going to lie, though. I'm really nervous. Well, what's the main thing that you're nervous about? That it's going to suck. <laughs> Especially since it's the end of this trilogy. So it's got to end on the right note, man. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I still stand by, uh, you know, the last movie. So, you know, I thought The Last Jedi, it has its flaws and everything. But overall, I did enjoy it. Um, but at the same time, I feel like there's just so many like plot threads that need to be tied up. I'm just worried that they don't have enough movie to mm. do it. So, um, especially if this is supposed to be like closure for the Skywalkers and everything, you know, which could be just, you know, also speculation. 
Um, it just, I'm it's just, a lot. It's a lot. I know. I'm just afraid that they're going to try to make it also closure for Ray. Oh, they don't. Rather, than, I don't. That would be a mistake. Mm-hmm. And I think they're if this movie does what they think it's going to do, I feel like this is just going to be set up for her story, you know, and maybe kind of like not having to deal with that Skywalker legacy anymore and just kind of having her be the sole like focus of that movie. Mm-hmm. If they do it right, I feel like that's the way to go. So, and I mean, I know that's like blasphemy, you know, because, you know, obviously the Skywalkers are Star Wars, but there's just so many directions and so much I it's love a about the universe. universe. Exactly. That they, they can, you know, cut ties, at least for a trilogy, and then they can come back to them. You know, they won't be gone forever. Give me a break. <laughs> At this point, I'm happy to explore the world. Yes. Rather than deal with just their main narrative and with all the, you know, the, the streaming shows that are going to be coming out mm. and everything. It seems like we're going to get that. It really does. Accessing episode 46. We lost Stanley this week. Um, you know, I didn't think it was going to, like, hit me as hard as it did. Mm. I mean, he's 95. But then, like, just seeing all the different tributes come out and, I mean, really, you know, just trying to wrap your head around, like, how much, like, he's, like, meant to Mm. just, you know, not just comics, but just, like, you know, pop culture in general, you know, and to, like, so many different people. It's just, it's so insane to think about, you know, really. It's unquantifiable. Like, you can't even, like, you know begin to think i mean this guy's been at it since like 1960 he's literally created a whole universe you know for you know nerds like us to dive into every single week yes every (laughs) single week there would not be an amazing nerd show without stan lee i mean his legacy is like unparalleled so i mean for me i mean he ranks up there with you know artists and creators like walt disney stephen Mm. king um you know, I, I don't think he has many peers. I mean, you're talking about someone. I mean, yeah, superhero comics already existed, but he really redefined what superhero comics could be. You know, just by making them relatable, by making these characters with like godlike abilities, you know, flawed, um, he made them us, you know, and that I think really, I mean, just is why all his characters resonate so much now today. I mean, if you really look at it, the last 20 some years of like, you know, mainstream entertainment has been dominated by, you know, works that he created. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, it's truly an impressive feat. I mean, it's modern mythology, you know, it's, I believe it. I mean, in a hundred years, people are going to be looking at like Stanley and like terms of like William Shakespeare. Really. If you think about like, what he's meant to this society mm-hmm. and everything and just how many artists he's influenced um and just people in general everyday people like you know jerks like us you know <laughs> um it, it really is just i mean a huge loss a, a huge loss so um you know it's just i i don't think you know there's not enough words that can go no you know, absolutely you know, not you could say to really you know give him his just due I mean, even like the word legend, I don't feel like is like enough, ju- does enough justice for, you know, a person like Stanley, you know, if there's a tier above legend, <laughs> you know, um, it's just, I mean, man, man, I mean, look at his creation. I mean, the Spider-Man, yes. the Hulk, 
Fantastic Four, The Avengers. Everything we love, basically. <laughs> <laughs> the basis of everything. Yes, that we and love even like the small tier, like the third tier characters that, you know, are out there that you don't mm. even think about. Like he created most of them. You know, that are still being used in like, you know, weekly Marvel comics. Um, it's just and his influence just even stretches across the aisle to like DC and everything, you know. I mean he's his writing style definitely influenced, you know, DC's characters and you know, for the better, I believe. So it just you know, and just the way of, you know, once again making them, you know, more relatable, making them flawed, giving them personality, you know. Um you know, it's why I grew up such a Marvel fanboy, and I still am, you know, mm. really at the heart. So, um, I don't know. I don't know. It's a huge loss. Yes, it was, it took a while to get past that. Yes. After seeing it pop up. Yes. And he's just been the face of just, you know, comic book fandom mm. for so many years, you know, at the time. Even I for guess... me growing up, he wasn't creating any more comics, so, you know, but he was always that, you know, that... I don't know, that dignitary that, you know, Marvel always, you know, had out there, mm. you know, waving and shaking hands. You know, he was always that spokesperson. So, you know, it just, I don't know, I don't know, it was a huge loss. I mean, I, I read every single one of the stand soapboxes, you know, that were in the middle of every comic book, you know, every week. Um, you know, and it was good shit, you know, and that, that was at a time in the, like, you know, mid to late 80s where you didn't really have, you know, well, you didn't have the internet, first of all, mm. but you didn't have even, like, magazines like Wizard or anything at that point. So, like, to me, he was the voice of comic books. He really was. Not just in the story, but, you know, outside of the story, you know, really selling you on, you know, Marvel and, you know, these stories. And he always had great little, like, you know, pieces of wisdom in there and just just a great guy. Like, you don't really hear anyone say anything awful about Stan. I know there's been disputes for like other creators and everything saying that he gets too much credit here and there, but I mean, I feel like he doesn't get enough credit, honestly. So, um, just a huge loss. And it's going to be, it's going to be weird. Whatever he, whatever his part in Avengers 4 is going to be. Oh yeah. Well, I'm sure that's already shot. Yeah, that was already taken care of. He's whatever. probably, is there a few other, right? We've there's got, a few other um, projects that have already been shot and everything. Like he could show up in X-Men. The uh, Spider-Man movie. I'm sure that, yeah. that's been in production, you know, so, I mean, they usually bang out his cameos pretty quickly. So, I'm sure he'll pop up here and there, so. Um, but, yeah, yeah. Rest in peace, Stanley. Processing reviews. Accessing episode 40. No, besides that, I just finished Spider-Man. Oh, there you go. How was that? Um, very enjoyable. Uh, the story was a, a little bit more serious than I thought it was going to be. Okay. Because, uh, you know, Spider-Man can have a lot of fun. Yeah. And the game started off very much like that, but you kind of see how hard it is to be Peter Parker in this world. And I, and I thought that was a really interesting take. Okay. Uh, especially for, like, a brand new Spider-Man video game. So the last thing you think is there's going to be so much drama and heartfelt stuff going on with his character in a video game. And this wasn't an origin story, correct? No. This was, this like... was just kind of like, this is him in his life. I would say this is more like, Right before he gets in with too many, like, hard-hitting stuff in his life. Okay. Because Doc Ock was still not Doc Ock yet. Uh, okay. The, yeah, so this is early on then. Yes. If, I mean... I mean, it's not like... It's not based on... Like, it's like their own story, so it's not like, oh, we're starting right here from where the comics are. This is just like them building their own cinematic kind of universe. Yeah, yeah which is cool. Mm. 
because we all know the basic elements of yes. Spider-Man's universe, so you can kind of pick and choose and, you know, fuck with the time, you know, line as much as you want, and people won't get lost, at least. So, that's cool. So then, basically, what? who's the main villain in this whole story? So Do you see Dr. Octopus become Dr. Well, Octopus? Well, spoilers. Okay. Dr. Octopus becomes Dr. Octopus. Good. Uh, <laughs> he... he Throughout the beginning of the game, you kind of see and help him start to build the arms and stuff. Like, he's working on, like, special arms for amputees and stuff. Like, uh, what is that? Cybernetics and stuff like that. Okay. And, you know, he gets screwed over by Norman. Because that's who he was originally working with and working for. So, um, in this game. In this universe. Okay. <laughs> well, actually, that follows along with the, like, Ultimates. Uh, the Ultimate uh, Spider-Man's kind of... Um, oh, okay. Uh, storyline too that continuity so that that makes sense so yeah norman kind of takes his funding away and um he like finds funding through i believe through aim and um we find out that he's actually been making things for villains and uh all this entire time and peter didn't realize yeah. it right. uh, and he like to help fund his own research and his research leads him to making these super arms um, which we all know the classic Dr. Octopus arms, and he tries to speed that along as fast as he can because also his body is degenerating and he's dying slowly. So this not really dying, he's just like losing um, the ability to use his own limbs. Okay. Like it's, uh, I forgot what the disease is called. It's some, it's some neurological disease. Okay. Um, so he's like trying to race along, get this done, and by doing that, he creates the chip and the chip fucks with his mind and changes his moods real fast mm-hmm. and then of course we get evil dr octopus um he forms together the sinister six to kind of um go after norman and that's kind of the oh story. so they're actually directed towards norman yes um the whole world is just pissed off in norman norman's like the mayor of the town uh he is um kind of been doing shady things as a way to make a surgical like a um serum to help his son Harry. Apparently, Harry has been dying with a disease that his mother had. Everyone's just dying in this game. Huh? Yes, it got real. <laughs> Everyone's diseased and dying. It got All real right. grim. So um, we have this uh, chemical called Devil's Breath. Um, okay. The they end up calling it Devil's Breath because when they first um, synthesize it together, it's like just deteriorating people and killing people. Um, but he views it as a way to create a new cure for pretty much any disease. Okay, so, and did Norman manufacture Devil's Breath? Yeah. Okay. So he's like on on the breakthrough of getting, you know, this magical cure, which I'm assuming is going to become what makes the Green Goblin. So is Norman is not the Goblin at all no. in this? and he's not going to be. So that's going to be the sequel, basically. Yes, yeah, so I'm pretty sure it's just going to be Harry because, um, again, spoilers, at the very end of the credits, you see that Harry's actually in pretty much the tube that we see um, Norman in in the films. Oh, okay, okay, cool. It's almost like a back to tank from Star Wars. Interesting, interesting. It it really sounds like they are really picking and choosing. Yes, you know, what elements from whatever storyline? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Wow. Okay. Well, that's kind of cool though. So hmm. kind of keeps you guessing though. Like if you know all the history and everything, exactly. Like, to see where they're going and how they're putting. We it do get like an uh, an interesting like. Different take on Miles getting um, his powers, which is I, yes. Miles is I forgot Miles is actually part of this, yes, which is he's insane. in the game and he has like tiny little missions. 
uh, where you're just sneaking around, and he's like a he can hack into things. So Miles gets his powers in this. Yes, at the very end. So you never wow. get to use his powers, but maybe in the second game, so there might be two Spider-Man. Going to be like a sidekick for Peter, or probably at first. Okay, and then I'm assuming since you were able to play as Mary Jane and Miles in this, maybe they'll develop that further in the next game, and maybe you'll be able to play as both Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. So yeah, can even I'm sure it's probably. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, I, I'm sure they'll probably at least be an option down the yes. line. You know, some kind of special feature where you could be Miles. I would assume. Mm. You know, if not if they, DLC or something. Yeah. So, um, well, that's that's cool. That's crazy though. They are all over the fucking place. Yes. Uh, Miles is in the game, and Doctor Octopus is not even Doctor Octopus just yet. So that's pretty crazy. And then who's part of the Sinister Six that he puts together? Um, it's Rhino, um, Scorpion, um, Electro. And then it's Mr. Negative. Okay. All right. So it's a little different, mm-hmm. you know. So they don't use, like, Craven or anything like that? No. Okay. All right. Which is probably for the best. So. <laughs> um, it's a, no Electro, huh? Hmm? Did you say Electro? Yeah. Oh, okay. Electro. Okay. I didn't... I did No Vulture. Oh, Vulture, yes. Vulture. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> that would make six. Sorry. Yes. Like there we two. go. Math. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So overall... Yes, overall very enjoyable. I would say um, out of five stars, Christian. Oh, out of five stars, absolutely five stars. Five stars. Yes. Wow. It is just an extremely fun game to play. Whether you're playing the story missions or you're just running around doing whatever you want. Okay. They even have the dumb little finger guns from Spider-Man Three. Oh wow! Okay. Just when you're walking around, if you hit square, you can just like bam to people. <laughs> I mean, that it's is just. Dumb. <laughs> we don't have like an emo dance at a no okay at a that, coffee shop or cafe okay that's good mm-hmm. I hate that movie so much <laughs> it's Those on Netflix bastards. and I keep thinking about rewatching it just oh, for fun God. I mean I love I love the gifts of it but that's about it I can't mm-hmm. I don't think I could handle sending through that movie again oh what a nightmare that might be one of my top worst movies I ever saw in the theater Mm-hmm. And that's saying a lot. And I think that's mostly just because the hype going into the movie to be like let down that much. Yes. That's got to be a whole different episode. We'll have to do like <laughs> <laughs> biggest well, disappointments ever. Like actually going to the theater, like biggest disappointments. Well, did that, I mean, maybe next week after we talk Venom. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Oh, I hope that's not. <laughs> I hope that's not inspired by anything. I hope not. <laughs> Accessing episode 42. Yes. Uh, let's get into Horror Month. Yes. Uh, this week uh, is my week. That's right. So I picked, as as going kind of like in line of my pick so far, mm-hmm. um, The Exorcist. It's all about the devil. <laughs> <laughs> now, family takeovers, you know? This would probably have been one of my picks. Um... Mm. I was kind of going back and forth, but it's hard for me because it's not just a movie I watched during like the Halloween season, so it's like one of my favorite movies of all time. So I kind of wanted to stay away from it, <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately, that's not happening. I'm so, sorry. Uh, no, that's fine. That's fine. It's your you could have stopped show me too. beforehand. No, you know, you're... it's your show too. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> oh, before we get into it, it is horror month. Oh wait. Do you have a Halloween costume? Since uh, Halloween is like two weeks away. We're having some... Me and Damon work in the same building. 
So mm-hmm. in case you were, oh, we're not telling you where though. Not telling you where. <laughs> we're having a like space theme. So oh, yeah, I'm not aware of this. Of okay. The, during the appreciation week. Oh, okay. And um, I guess I'm gonna try to figure out if I want to do something space suity or Star Wars. Space suit. You gotta go Star Wars. That feels obvious. I feel like it's too easy. Space suity. Like what is space? Suit I don't know. Mean like classic. Like um, fishbowl. Like yeah. Uh... I don't want to scare the children. <laughs> <laughs> that just feels like it'd be more awkward and annoying to be sure. wearing all, you know. That day. would be. So, um, no parties? And sweaty. Um, not yet, at least. Okay. okay. Not, not too many plans. What's, what's been your favorite Halloween costume that you've ever gone as, like, in the past? I've had some really bad ones and some really good ones. Um, well, I said favorite, so go with the good ones. I'm trying to think. I know last year I was like um, Jesus, but I had like <laughs> I had a bag of wine attached to me, and I made a mechanism where if I pushed the button, it would look like I was bleeding out wine. Oh, that's fantastic! <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Um, I would have to say, even though it didn't look great whatsoever. One of my favorite costumes was I did Zombie Mad Hatter. Now, uh, I was scaring children left and right as I was walking down the street. Uh-huh. Like, I'm it sure. was just like my face looked like it was melting off, and I had the whole Mad Hatter, like, classic get up on. Nice. Yes. Nice. All right. All right. Cool. I, I, like, uh, I like the Jesus idea. Yes. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> I was like, how can I make this fun? You know, I had, like, it was very last minute. I just put it together real fast. I just bought all the parts. Just, hey, man. Whatever. Hmm. Those are the best costumes, though. So, All right. Well, go, let's go into your pick, Christian. Oh, yes. Um, one of the most profitable horror movies ever made, this tale of an exorcism is based loosely on actual events. When young Reagan Linda Blair starts acting odd, levitating, speaking in tongues, her worried mother, Ellen Burstyn... Uh, seeks medical help only to hit a dead end. A local priest, Jason Miller, however, thinks the girl may be seized by the devil. The priest makes a request to perform an exorcism, and the church sends in an expert uh, to help with the difficult job. All right, Christian. Not exactly. No, how that happens. no. But where is this? Wikipedia or Google? <laughs> Google. Cool. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's a, it's a little <laughs> off. And those names are the actors who play the yes, characters, not the characters' so names. You know. But, so Christian, when was the first time you saw this movie? The first time I saw this movie, I was maybe elementary school. Elementary school, yes. nice. nice. But I, I watched it on my own choosing. Okay. I was more just curious because everyone... No one sat you down and forced you to no. watch it. That'd be awesome parenting. We're watching The Exorcist, god damn it! I was forced to watch other horror movies, <laughs> but not this one. Um... Uh, yeah, I was, I was interested in buying it. I was curious about the uh, concept of, you know, demon possessions and stuff like that. Oh, yeah? How yeah. old were you when you were curious about this? Like, fifth grade? I don't know. Now, seeing so, you know, when I was a kid, this movie had uh, just a whole, like, I don't know, aura about it. Mm. You know, there was a lot of word of mouth. People, have you seen The Exorcist? Did you have that as a kid? No. It's coming from, like, different generations. Mm. No, um, there no. wasn't, like, and not until at least middle school. 
Did you hear people talking about it? Mm. Okay. Okay. Especially like when Scary Movie came out and everything, and oh, they God. made fun of it a ton. There's so many jokes that reference and are almost exact copies of what happened in it this literally film. literally makes so. my skin crawl. Did you, wait, so did you hear this movie because of Scary Movie? No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my god, I hope that's not like where like your generation is getting its horror movie knowledge from. No. So, okay. Fair enough. Fair mm. enough. So, like, what was your reaction when you first watched this movie? What the fuck is this? Really? Yeah, especially, especially for school. that, yeah, for that young, um, I definitely didn't finish it. <laughs> yeah. At that age. Um, this, is, this is an intense movie. Uh, especially, if, uh, it's very long for that age as well I would say <laughs> yeah but um this is an intense film mm-hmm. they really capture the whole you know transformation of this girl and like what happens like I love because like, I rewatched it last night just okay. so I'd be able to talk about it more rather mm-hmm. than me trying to piece it back together that's uh, a good idea <laughs> I, what I loved about this film was, you know, it's never, it wasn't just like straight to she's possessed, you know, mm-hmm. they, every single, they made every single excuse for her not to be possessed or just it being in her head. Even after the mom is on the bed while it's shaking mm-hmm. and clearly the daughter's not doing it. Yeah. She still doesn't believe it's a possession. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that it took this kind of like almost realistic approach to that. Mm-hmm. Where even the doctors talk about the exorcism um, as a concept of like almost a placebo effect, mm-hmm. you know? Oh yeah, we'll just just do an exorcism. She'll think that she's gotten rid of the demon, and it'll be over. It's almost like shocking her back into exactly. Saturday. Yeah, I loved all those aspects to this film, mm-hmm. uh, and that's I think that's what keeps it being this classic in my mind, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, other than of course the filming aspect is unbelievable. Yes. Yes, I agree, 100%. Um, you know, it's really, for me, it's that, I don't know, it's the mom's journey into acceptance. It's that transition mm. from, you know, Reagan being this, like, normal, everyday 12-year-old, you know, whose mom happens to be a movie star, but that's neither. Because <laughs> even though that aspect's in the film, mm. they still feel like an everyday kind of family. You know, like she is a single mom. She does have servants and everything, mm. but they still feel real, you know, strangely enough. Um, but like that whole like journey of Reagan going through this transformation and everything like that and seeing her as this like fun loving, you know, little girl mm. and her turning into this absolute monster, you know, by, you know, I mean, halfway through the movie is is what is most terrifying mm. for me. And I think that element of the mom being a movie star also adds to the fact of they could easily say this person's just acting this way. This person mm-hmm. is just, they know how this stuff is done. They could easily make tricks for everything. Yeah. I just thought that's just another little added, additive to it. Um, Ellen Bernstein's performance, too, is the mom who's mm-hmm. just going through this hell, you know, literally, um, is just phenomenal. Like, it just, it, she feels so real, you know, authentic. Because, I mean, especially now, and, you know, this is the kind of movie where you can watch at different times in your life and you get something else up. Mm. Like, now, as a parent, I can't imagine, you know, like, going through that where your your daughter is, you know, 
sick and ill and not knowing exactly what's causing it. You know, that being a possession or just any illness Mm. whatsoever, how terrifying that would be for a parent. So watching her suffer through this, you know, and like just be torn apart is just, I mean, amazing. And she... She shows so much range. I mean, every the, the performance with Ellen Ber- by Ellen Bernstein and really Linda Blair. I mean, is amazing. Yes, you know? she doesn't seem like when you watch when you start from the beginning, Linda Blair does not seem like she's capable of any of this range. By yes, the way. it just looks like oh, she's just an average girl. Uh huh. Just got lucky to get this part, you know. Yeah. And then she just kills it as the possessed. <laughs> Holy shit! Yeah, it is quite a performance for such a young actress. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, I agree. Um, what, what else stands out for you for, in this film? Um, you know, especially as a young filmmaker. Well, the fact that, you know, this is before Steadicam and there's so many tracking shots. Mm-hmm. Everything is just like, they're moving along with the person. It's, that's an incredible feat. Yeah. Um, especially for that stairwell. Yes. Thinking about because um, I think recently we saw a like gif of behind the scenes and it's him in this like hammock thing going up the stairs. I'm like that must have been the most pain in the ass thing to put together I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. But uh, by the by the end of the film, I got to I realized how had quiet this film was actually because when you think about most horror films, there's constantly like while while there's like a quiet moment before a kill or something like that. It this was just like silence with a little bit of tension and dread but not not too much score anywhere like even like um from what i remembered as a child and growing up and whenever anyone would talk about the exorcist they always talk about the main theme mm-hmm. but you hear that for like bells yeah yeah you hear it for like a little bit at the beginning when she's, at a very, when she's just walking yes and yes. It, it doesn't like come up over and over again but man that shit sticks with you though yes <laughs> it, it sticks with you yeah, um, yeah, it's funny because yeah, now I hear it, I get chills every time I hear mm. that music. But yeah, really, there is not much of a score whatsoever. And I feel like it kind of leads to like the realism of the movie too. It really makes those like horrifying moments even bigger. Mm. And I, I don't mind a movie that's you know overscored, if you will, like especially in horror movies. Sometimes it works. You look at like The Conjuring and a lot of James Wan's movies, like. That shit works. Like, mm. his scores, I mean, I feel like are, are a separate character in those movies. Yeah, a lot of times scores make a movie at but this point. But sometimes they can be overdone and it can almost cue the audience, mm. like, how you're supposed to react. Um, you know, this is not that whatsoever. <laughs> I always, I have a simple rule. It's like, if you hear the music stop and it's silent, someone's about to die. Yes. Or something bad is about to happen. Like, if, it, if there's an obvious pause mm-hmm. and you hear only people moving or anything, it's like... And, so, oh, t- television shows is everywhere. Yes, and if you're a fan of horror movies, mm-hmm. you become trained to it, and you notice it right away. Where you'll notice like some camera angles are yes. like totally <laughs> setting you up for a jump scare. Like, okay, well, this is a weird angle. Mm-hmm. Something's about to happen. You know, there's too much space here in this shot in this frame. So, but yeah, th- I mean, this movie though is really you know just it's the pinnacle of what a horror movie mm-hmm. should be shot like for me not even just a horror movie but a film in general like mm-hmm. and i mean not to take too much away from like uh how it was done i'm just saying like even story element wise writing for this film this isn't just horror centric like we're going through this whole storyline with the priest and he's like losing his faith throughout mm-hmm. it the entire time and um 
dealing with the fact that you know he can't take care of the, his mom the way he wants so he puts her in a home and then the home immediately like she dies in the home because she can't handle it yes it's yes. just it, it, that I was mean, a great storyline going on alongside of it yes no I mean Father Karras's like mm. storyline is what makes the movie and Jason Miller another phenomenal performance because he's so believable as that character and you can see the heartache that he's going through and you I mean you get his struggle with his faith I mean it's there um you know it, it's very subtle but then like you get that conversation um on the stairs between him and Max von Sydow where you know they're in the middle of the exorcism hmm. and I mean that moment's huge and it's funny because I think the it's it's been expanded um, on recently in the film because it, we had the 2000 re-release mm-hmm. and they added a little more to it um, where now I, I feel like I can't imagine the movie without those moments in it but like that I feel like that dialogue between the two priests is like the movie in a nutshell you know them talking mm-hmm. about you know what faith is and everything and why this is happening you know right now um you know that it's really you know the devil testing their faith and everything um you know it almost makes it feel like you know the devil's really coming after you know father damien you know Mm -hmm. um i I, just i mean there's so much going on in this movie and so many (laughs) wonderful ways and it's just i mean for what it did at its time Mm -hmm. you know i mean it's innovative you didn't have subject matter like this tackled in the way that it was you know i mean nowadays you have you know a movie like this every year at least you know but this is you know the template this mm-hmm. is what everything's based off of um you know even what we reviewed a couple weeks ago with amityville exactly, Horror yeah. is a directly mm-hmm. because of this movie you know that that movie was able to be made um, you know, and we've got a lot of shitty movies because of this movie. <laughs> um, but I mean, God, I mean, audiences had never seen anything mm. like this. And it still holds up, which is amazing. You know, it's not watered down. People mm. are still trying to reach the high bar that Exorcist is, um, you know, and there aren't many great possession movies out there or many great movies out there that, you know, deal mm. with this subject matter with, you know, faith and, you know, you know, demons. Um, it, you don't get that mm. much. So I can name a handful. <laughs> so um, it's just a great blend of storytelling, practical effects, the practical effects. Uh, exactly. Are and it, you think about what they did, mm. especially in that bedroom scene to get, you know, their breath, you know, like, you know, that whole scene, everything now would have been done with like CGI. Exactly. They literally had like a refrigerating unit in that, like that room was legitimately that cold, you know, the entire time. So, and you can, I, I think it added to the performances mm-hmm. of the characters. Um, you know, it's just amazing, like how they got the furniture to move and everything, you know, with the bed and, you know, Linda Blair's makeup you know, like, during this movie, that transformation, you know, from this little girl into, like, this, you know, demon-possessed monster is amazing. She's still stunning. Like, that makeup, the finished Mm, makeup. The welts on the cheeks, it's... My God, you know. It's well-blended, too. Like, it doesn't look like... You don't see this random cut-off on her neck like you would get in a lot of horror movies Mm -hmm. that were just, like, doing it this fast. It's above and beyond, Mm. you know, um anything that we had, you know, at that time and since then. Like, it really does hold up. Um, so, I, it, it's just an amazing feat, this movie. So, I mean, 
It's well written. I mean, William Freakin directing. I mean, he was a madman on set. I guess like he would use techniques like he would keep all the actors on edge, and he would do things like he would all of a sudden shoot off a gun in the middle of an actor's performance, like have someone make a loud noise just to keep them jumpy and like on edge. They fucking hated him because of it. <laughs> You know, he would push them to their limits. Mm. The last scene um, with the priest um, giving the rights to Father Damien, um, he just, he was an actual priest. He wasn't an actor. So he kept on like stumbling over his lines and just not giving the performance Mm. that he wanted. He ended up like, I think he was like basically, do you trust me? And then he ended up belting him to get that performance out of him. So if you watch that scene back and he's like literally shaking, giving those last rites um, to Father Damien, he's legitimately shaking. Like his nerves are completely off. I didn't know I about mean, that one. Yes. <laughs> that he, was so, he was getting beaten. He so got he was... smacked, yes. So it's it's crazy ass shit that nowadays would not fly. No. But it was the 70s. <laughs> Fuck your you, dude. Yes. <laughs> Shooting off guns on I set is just insane. You know, things like that. I think the worst thing I've ever done to an actress so far was, um, it was the middle of winter, and the character is supposed to be dead in the little short film that I was making, mm-hmm. and, um, middle of winter, she's wearing a sundress, she's anemic, oh, and <laughs> we're on the top of a, uh, what, a parking garage. Okay. And she, but she killed it. <laughs> she did amazing. She stopped shivering and did her lines perfectly. Uh, I was like, oh, this is impressive. Yeah. <laughs> Don't trust high school Christian. <laughs> You'll make him do shit. Um, but yeah, no. So I, I don't know. I mean, no, this is an outstanding film. There are reasons that when we get to our number one, that I'll explain why it isn't my number one on this list so far. Okay. So. Wait for next week, because I'll, I'll, I'll give a okay. full explanation. And honestly, for me, this isn't only, like, probably... For me, hmm. you know, and this is going to be spoilers, but for me, <laughs> when, you know, people talk about, like, horror movie lists and everything, it always changes, hmm. you know, for me. But Exorcist and Halloween are always back and forth, one or two. And not only on my horror movie list, but on my, like, top movie list of all time. Hmm. Um, you know, I mean, yes, Godfathers, you know, a lot of other movies are up there, but Exorcist and, you know, Halloween are always, you know, near the top. So they change sometimes just because of the mood I'm in or whatever. <laughs> but, you know, most of the list is always changing. But mm. Those are two staples for me. So, because it's not only a great horror movie, it's a great fucking movie. Yes. You know? So, I mean, there's so much subtext going on in this movie. Um, but it is. It really is. And let us know if like, you start watching it just because of what we talked about. Because, I mean, I think all of these movies are worthy of watching this Halloween. Oh, absolutely. So now, is this a movie? Because, I mean, I'm going off my list. is just kind of movies that I always watch mm. during the Halloween season. Is this a movie that you visit a, every Halloween? Not every Halloween. Okay. But, yes. It's mostly during Halloween season. This is, this is one of those types of films for me. Yeah. I don't think about it during summer or during... Winter for like action and Star Wars seasons. <laughs> Star so. Wars season. I love that Star Wars has its own season. Yes. <laughs> but that definitely Halloween. Yes. This is when you a movie you visit. So mm. yeah, now that's definitely on one. Of, it's one of my you know normal like cycle movies during October. But. I realized the TV edit they cut out the beginning a lot. 
mm-hmm. they will just start straight from um, her fil- her filming. Oh, you have than, Father Marty um, like yeah. in like Iraq, mm-hmm. you know, doing everything. Yeah, because yeah. I like I started. I was like, is this, is this right? This Am I getting wrong? <laughs> yes. Yeah, and it's funny because I get confused because of the two thousand, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, re release. They added a lot more content, so I don't know what used to be in the original and what wasn't mm-hmm. in the original. Like that spider walk scene was not in the original. The one down the stairs, correct? Yes, the yes. Blood's down coming the out of her mouth. Yes. Fucking amazing. <laughs> uh, like, my girlfriend was screaming while that happened. <laughs> I can't even imagine the movie without it now. It's such mm-hmm. a great scene, but they couldn't use that originally because I guess there was like wires or something that like you could visibly mm. see, and they couldn't figure out I guess how to edit the scene perfectly. Um, so there was like just a beat that they thought it took away from, like when she found out her actor friend was dead, like mm. kind of took away from that. So. Um, but man, it's the perfect scene. <laughs> like if I want to turn someone on to horror, that's the scene. You know, or turn someone off to horror, that's the scene <laughs> I would show them. <laughs> and think that was on the editing room floor that's for nuts. a long time, right? Well, um, they just they just digitally um, got rid of the wires. I think so. Okay. I'm guessing. Yeah, it was early 2000s. So hmm. I mean, yeah, at that point they. I could. can't. I can't imagine if those wires failed and she like went down. I think about like how much they did with wires mm-hmm. that you don't see. I mean, it really is movie magic. So I mean, it really changed the game. You know, just you know what you could do and like a lot of techniques and stuff like that are still used mm-hmm. to this day because of this movie. So I mean, just from that standpoint, this movie you know means a lot. You know, but yeah, this is classic <laughs> horror movie. You know, storytelling here. Accessing episode ten. So. I saw Annihilation this weekend. So did I. Well, I saw it on Monday, but yes. All right. Well, let's... Should we talk Annihilation? Let's talk a little Annihilation. All right. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give us a small summary. We're going to try not to be huge on spoilers for this Mm. one, just because I feel like it's something that you have to see for yourself. Um, And it's really something that I don't think a review, a full spoiler review, will do justice for. It's that kind of movie. Mm. So let's go into a summary. Lena, a professor of cellular biology and former U.S. soldier, is mourning the loss of her husband, Kane, who hasn't returned from a special ops mission in over a year. When Kane mysteriously reappears with no memory of the mission, he becomes violently ill, and they are both taken into custody by the government. Lena awakens in a research compound on the edge of a coastal region that was hit by a meteor. It's here that she discovers that Kane was part of one of many research teams exploring this area called the Shimmer, none of whom have ever returned. After Kane slips into a coma, Lena volunteers to join a new team of researchers and sets out to unlock the mystery of the now expanding Shimmer and hopefully help her husband. It was an interesting film. How did you feel about it? I'll let you read. I I left the theater feeling good about it, but at the same time, I was like, I kind of predicted and saw every little aspect that was coming. Right. Nothing really surprised me. Nothing really took me like, like, oh, I'm, wow, this really happened. And I was like, I was just kind of like, okay, I get this. I get what this is going. Here's this, here's this, here's this, here's this. So you kind of felt like it was predictable? Yeah. What you're saying? Okay. Okay. What did you enjoy? Um, what I enjoyed about it was mostly... Like, I liked the team dynamic. 
I liked how they were when they entered the Shimmer, when they were uh, questioning what they're doing, you know, trying to figure out their plan, not knowing what, like, how many days they've been there. The little aspects of that, I thought they should play a whole lot more, by, by the way, on the whole, I don't know how long we've actually been here aspect. Mm-hmm. The fact that they woke up four days later and they're like, I don't remember a single thing, but then the rest of it felt like, oh, they know exactly where they are and what time Like they should have been a little more like disorientated. Yeah, by not, not to spoil anything, but it's just like, yeah. exactly. And we're going to do the best we can yeah. without <laughs> spoiling the entire movie so you could see I like the team dynamic a lot. Okay, okay. Um... I really enjoyed this movie um, to a certain point. Mm. I'll say that. I felt like it was a classic sci-fi piece. Mm. Um, and I always, enjoy, I love good sci-fi. You know, I don't feel like we get it much lately. Um, you know, for me, like, you know, a good science fiction film always has that, like, subtext underneath it. Where it's, like, you know, got a really nice, like, social commentary going. Um, it really always, like too like it gets like philosophical at times mm. also and it has those like multi-layers going on i felt like this film had that um where not only was i trying to predict what was going to happen you know but i was trying to at the same time like well, what do they mean by this what are they trying to get at what was the message that they're going to try to convey i like that it's open to interpretation you know that's the kind of film i like i like a movie where you come out of the theater with more questions than answers you know i don't want everything spelled out to me and a lot of sci-fi films nowadays they have to answer everything and explain Mm. everything and i don't like that i like mystery and i felt like this was a solid mystery throughout yes there were some tropes through the movie where i was like okay i've kind of seen this before i kind of felt like you know this is where they're going with this and it proved you know right at certain times but it was still entertaining to me um it was gorgeous like the movie itself oh, yeah. it looked beautiful you, like especially once they entered the shimmer it was it was beautiful um this is by alex garland who did ex machina mm. um he also wrote the scripts for um uh, sunshine and 28 days later and 28 weeks later i believe mm. too um i love all three of those movies so I, I was really excited about this movie once I saw his name attached. I don't feel like the trailers did this movie any justice. I feel like they kind of played the horror aspect up a lot. Yeah. You know, on the trailer where, you know, yes, it did have, you know, horror elements into it. But I felt like that wasn't... If you're going to this movie expecting, you know, more of a horror movie, I think you would probably leave disappointed. That's true, but at the same time, I see where they were trying to sell it. Yeah, I understand the marketing. Mm. I just think it's piss poor marketing, <laughs> you know, because I feel like there are there's a fan base out there. Yeah, for sci-fi, especially after films like Arrival. That yes, or right, something. or uh, was it Interstellar? Exactly. You know, I, I loved Interstellar. Mm. This to me was, you know, how can I describe? I feel like this was. It was a great mix between um, Body Snatchers and uh, 2001. You know, it had both kind of, you know, mm-hmm. elements and, you know. It's funny that you say it that way. I was actually on. thinking, like, this is right in between Aliens and um, Arrival, which I, I don't think. You know, I haven't seen Arrival. No, I have not. You seen would it. love Arrival. Just based I've on what you've been just described to, to me. Check you out, love yeah, it. Arrival. So um, that's really what, like, the theme wise, mm-hmm. you know, I felt like it had. Um, I enjoyed all the characters in this. I think all the performances 
were great. I particularly liked Jennifer Jason Lee's performance. Yeah. She had a very interesting character. She was creepy. I felt like she was creepy. Um, Like, did you notice, like, all the weird hand shit that she was doing in the beginning? Like, whenever she was talking to Natalie Portman's character, Lena, she was, like, just... She could not stop fidgeting with her hands to the point where I was, like, focusing on her hands. And, like, part of me, too, because I could kind of see where they were going with the interrogation room sequence, Um, you know, not to give too much away, where I was almost looking for... Lena to start doing the hand mm. stuff. Um, it was just a very odd character choice, but a cool character choice. I really enjoy when character actors do things like that um, because I, it got me into that character and focusing on that character where it could be very like by the numbers, mm. that kind of character. Um, I, I really enjoyed those little like aspects of, you know, the performance that she brought. You know, she, she was very stoic. You know, but she had heart at the same time. Uh, Tessa Thompson was awesome in this. You know, mm. great, great performance by her. Very subtle. Um, I also enjoyed Gina Rodriguez a lot. Um, and Oscar Isaacs. I mean, he did what the performance called for. Yeah. It's a very small role. It's a very small role, but I felt like it was a weighty role, too, in the beginning. It really sets up a lot. Mm. He was pretty creepy, you know, <laughs> when he does return. Um, I enjoy that. There's a little like astronaut, like wives type feel going on to Mm. that. I loved what I liked about this movie was there was callbacks to other films, but I felt like it wasn't too over the head. You like they weren't beating you over the head with it. Um, I felt like they definitely were like paying homage to like the thing at one point. Um, you know, there's a scene where they're all like tied on, tied down to chairs. I love that scene. Yes. That was probably my favorite scene in the entire film. Yes, yes. It was very much the thing. Mm. You know, I brought up Body Snatchers before. You know, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. There's definitely that aspect going on. Um, But yeah, there was was a lot of really cool callbacks. Um, Event Horizon. Have you ever seen Event Horizon? I'm not aware if I have or not. Okay. It's a great late 90s sci-fi movie um, that definitely toes the line between sci-fi and horror. Mm. But it's well worth a watch. I cannot recommend Event Horizon more. And it's very underrated. So if you haven't seen Event Horizon, go see Event Horizon. I definitely felt like this movie was influenced um, by Event Horizon. There's a scene where they find a video camera and they uh, play back, you know, something that that was being recorded Mm. by a team that Oscar Isaac was part of um, prior to. And they show this horrific, horrific scene, which felt very much like an event horizon um, scene. Uh, But, you know, not exactly, not in every aspect of what was happening. It just, you know, something that happened in that movie that was just, you know, super memorable. And I felt like this was kind of on par with that. I liked how they worked the suspense in this movie. I love the score in this movie also. It was subtle. It Mm. didn't lead you. Um, There's definitely, you know, some big jump scares that happens in this movie, but you don't know that they're coming, you know, which I like. I like it when they catch you completely off guard. You know, like the very first one, uh, the swamp scene. Yes. Uh, It was definitely like... it was just completely out of nowhere. It was just immediate snap out of nowhere. Yes, it was very right. fun. Yes, um, 
But then when they did tease you with it, um, we'll, we'll just call him the uh, Skull Bear, the Bear Skull. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I loved everything about the Skull Bear. So I, you know, I'm all for the Skull Bear. I want the Skull Bear to have his own movie. <laughs> <laughs> I want Skull Bear merch. I want the action figure. I honestly think this environment would make a very great video game as well. Really? Mm-hmm. I could see that. I could see that, definitely. Um, so, but yeah, so, w- I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to think. Because um, we don't want to ruin it for everyone. It's very difficult. Because <laughs> this is a movie that needs to be seen on the big screen, also. I know that the United States and China are the only people who are getting this movie in the theaters right now. Everywhere else around the world is getting this on Netflix. Netflix. Which I just feel like is just not going to do this movie justice. This is a big screen movie. This is Mm -hmm. a theater movie. You know, you really need to, especially like with the cinematography as good as it is, you need to see this film, you know, on the big screen. A minimum of a 60-inch 4K TV. Yeah. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Or a really awesome TV. (laughs) (laughs) So, but yeah, we don't want to give too much away because I feel like if you start, you know, peeling those layers of the Mm -hmm. onion... I feel like, you know, there's not much. It is a movie where it, it you will walk out of the theater and if you're with a group of people, you will be having a discussion instantly about, you know, what you feel like the movie meant, um, what you got out of the movie, and where you think the movie was going. Now, what did you have issue with in this film? I know you talked about it being kind of, you feeling you felt like it was kind of predictable. Uh, yeah, it was very, for me, it was very paint by numbers at times where it's just mm-hmm. like especially um when we get towards the third act <coughs> i was just like okay this kind of just set itself up to be exactly just um i heard people complain about the pacing of the movie i actually enjoyed the pacing of the movie it's a slow burn movie but i felt like i never was bored you know at any points um i enjoy the slow i i love slow burn movies. Yeah. i'm a fan oh, of probably. 70s like film in general so, and those are all slow burn, mm-hmm. you know, because there was no rules in Hollywood then. Um, so, it was really, you know. I, mean, I can I can handle a three to four hour film. Yes. I, not gonna... Yes. So, I enjoyed this, but it's got to be well paced. I felt like this was well paced for that. Um, I, could, I could see pacing issues. Really? For sure. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I don't know. I didn't have a problem with it. Um, my problem was with the third act. Um, I felt like it was maybe five to ten minutes long. Mm-hmm. Um, a beautiful scene. You know, everything, you know, there was eye candy. But um, once you kind of got into the main, like, you know, portion of that third act, I just felt like it kind of went on and on to the point where I was like, okay, I get it. <laughs> Let's move on. Mm. And then I was also disappointed with the ending of it. I felt like, okay, well, I've seen this before, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So I, that was that was the one thing, you know. I loved the journey. Mm. I didn't necessarily like where I got to you know just and then not i shouldn't say that because i i enjoy movies like that mm-hmm. you know that gotten to that point i'm being super vague right now <laughs> but um i just was expecting more of a twist when you when you have a film that's that plays that way like the way that they did this film was they have it they show you basically this is where this character is now pretty much after everything that's happened. Yes. And then it goes, you want that payoff to be real big, especially if you already know where the destination leads to. That's just how these films kind of go. That's how that kind of storytelling is. Yes. And that right away when they showed her um, in the, you know, uh, 
room with all the government agents yeah. and hazmat suits. I was like, okay, so you're telling us, but you know, sometimes they'll they'll play with that a little where that's not really, you know, where mm-hmm. they end up. You know, like you know, you'll get the past and then you'll get back to that room and then the movie goes on for another like five minutes. And yeah. So, um, but I agree because that is a big risk that you made because then you know, well, when they're in the shimmer, then there's really no risk to this character because I know that she ends up to this point. You know, so I definitely agree with that. That is definitely, you know, well, I mean, they were even bold enough to like name each character that's going to go in, right? And I was like, like, when they're doing it, I was like, why are you giving me spoilers? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing now? This is actually based off of a set of three books called Annihilation, and it's by Jeff Vandermeer. Um, but I'm guessing what what I've heard was they actually kind of merge all three books together. So this story is actually drawn out between three books. So I'm actually curious to go back and read those books now to see, like... Do you think... Because there was only, what, three chapters in the film, correct? Yeah, but I'm wondering if those were, you know, different books. You know, not necessarily chapters. So I'm curious to go back and read because they're all very critically acclaimed books. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I don't know. I, I really... Overall, I enjoyed the the movie a lot and I, Alex Garland is going to be you know one of the big filmmakers of this generation mm. I feel like it's safe to say at this point you know I feel like everything that he touches is going to be like I mean just with the screen you know the scripts that he's written mm. at this point um you know everything that he's touched really you know has been a success so I mean I know this movie's not doing well in the box office it unfortunately is going up against Black Panther. Exactly. Yeah. So and it doesn't sound like the studio was super behind it. Um, I didn't see much marketing for it. Um, what Paramount did with the whole Netflix thing seems odd. Mm. Uh, I heard rumors that they actually tried to get him to reshoot the ending. That um, through test screening and everything, the studios weren't satisfied with the ending. And I don't know what exactly what it was. I, I'm suspecting I know. <laughs> Probably the same qualms I'm exactly. having with the ending. Right. Um, so I guess that they wanted to, you know, change the ending. But he stuck to his guns. You know, to, I mean, which I think is great, you know, as an artist. Hmm. You don't want to see your work, you know, corrupted by other people. So I, I can't imagine how hard that would be for other directors who don't have that kind of clout, you know, to say no. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, yeah. So it's been an interesting road for this movie to get to the big screen, but I feel like it's the kind of movie that's going to stick around, um, you know, and be, you know, talked about for, you know, years to come. Oh, yeah. and it, it's a movie I know I will revisit. I can definitely see it becoming kind of like a cult film, not a... Exactly. Well, especially like being part of his career, because mm-hmm. I feel like he's going to go on to even bigger things. So I feel like it's something that people are going to always, you know, recall and, you know, it's going to be something that's going to be in like a film school where people are like, you know, talking about, you know, like, okay, this week we're talking about Annihilation. Um, But yeah, yeah, I I have a lot of high hopes for Alex Garland, as you can tell, Mm. as a director. Um, But yeah, yeah, I don't know. What would you grade this movie? Five star ratings. What would you uh, give it? I'm going to give it three and a half. That's hilarious because I'm totally going to give it a three and a half. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I would probably give it more of a four 
if it wasn't my issue wasn't the end of the movie mm. you know if it had I would almost want it more open the ending I, you know? I mean though this type of film definitely lends itself to an open ending yeah and I think I feel like they went for that. They wanted you to feel like it was more open, but definitely. It's not. not open. Yeah, <laughs> I really. And I would love to hear people actually, mm. you know. Oh, if you have any thoughts. Yeah, let us comments. know if you disagree with the third act, mm. you know, with you know, with it not being open. But kind of felt like I knew where they're going. Mm. Once again, we're super vague. <laughs> um, but yeah, we would love to hear from you. So if you have a different opinion of where the movie was going. But yeah, no, I just, I mean, what did you think about the different themes? Do this movie. Um, like, I felt like one of the big, like, prevailing themes through this whole film was, you know, just humanity's nature to self destruct, like, was something that was going, you know, throughout the whole with the team and everything, mm. you know. Even with the aspect of refraction, where it's, it's copying everything from our world and, um, like, kind of uh, bringing it. And just bring it into a different light, evolving yeah. and creating something new was I love that aspect. Well, having something old still mm-hmm. there, you know, and like it, how creepy were those scenes where you had like the mirroring, you know, with the animals, yeah. where you'd have one that was kind of this twisted, demented version next to this like one that was like this almost like beautiful like you know like creation. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was very well done. Um, like I said, this is a beautiful movie to like watch i mean i i would go back and revisit this movie just for the eye candy alone um but yeah i mean i i know this is a movie where i'm going to be calling out things that i missed left and right (laughs) you know um but yeah i really i really enjoyed that thing i thought Mm. that was you know well done um and different you know it's something that i haven't seen necessarily in a sci-fi movie in a while i mean it's it's throughout the entire film yes. even like going into her past and her life it's it's straight through yes yes but they weren't too like heavy-handed with it either you know which i know which i enjoyed you know it, it it's a hard it's a hard line though to walk mm. you know because there's a point where you get almost like preachy you know and you could really turn off an audience but i felt like he really towed that line well mm. but yeah no. so i i really thought this was a entertaining interesting movie you know to go see and it's definitely worth seeing it in the theaters so if i did have another complaint okay i just came to my mind i didn't buy her like relationship problems with uh her husband i didn't buy like their like the struggle and the different i could see that because i didn't really know enough about the Mm -hmm. relationship so i didn't know why there were those issues Especially, like, if, if you know what it's like to be in the military and the army, and you know what it's like to be separated, especially since this isn't his first, like, leaving yeah. and stuff like that. But you, like, I I don't also know I, I what don't know, else is I don't going know. on. Try not to spoil it. Yes. <laughs> time. This conversation is, I don't know how entertaining it is. But <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely one we'll continue off mic. But it is definitely, like, I feel like you don't know enough about the mm-hmm. relationship for that element of the story, you know, the problems that going on between them that they show through flashback um, to really hold much weight. I get why it's there. You know, I feel like there's a certain amount of guilt that she's going through when her husband comes back. Um, and I think that's part of the mourning process. 
that we're kind of seeing because she's in a state of mourning throughout mm-hmm. this whole film, even when he's back. Um, but, you know, I feel like that's supposed to kind of drive home, you know, why she's making the choices that they that she's making. Because really, they jump into the shimmer and, like, it really seems like everyone's kind of, you know, mm-hmm. at this hopeless point. They're all kind of damaged, you know, characters at this point. I th- you fix that problem for me with real easy. You just tell me that he was there as part of the first group from the three years, not just the one year. Okay. That 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 would solve it a lot for me. See, and I don't know, and this is one of those things where I don't know if I need it like necessarily spelled out to me. Like I see what you're saying, but I yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I need it. Like, but I've heard people complain about that about that. Like they didn't scene in there at all well i was like well it carries some weight i don't know like it needs it needs needs to to be on the be on the editing floor (laughs) but um i I had no problem with the scene i just had a problem with her uh motivations a little bit yeah like give me more of those two interacting Mm. maybe you know just a little bit more a little less of the dancing that kind of took place you know at the end of the movie and a little more of the you know those two together Yeah, I can agree with that. So we both said, you said three and a half? Yes. Okay, I'm going three and a half also. Accessing episode 43. So speaking of morbid, gruesome death, we're going to get into our Halloween review this week. Yes, uh, Halloween did awesome at the box office, broke a bunch of records, second biggest October opening of all time behind fucking Venom. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But not too shabby. Mm-hmm. Um, made all of its money back and then some. Uh, I think this movie was produced for $15 million. They have it down. And overall, global box office, uh, it made $96.7 million. Not too shabby. Yes. Yeah, so it is the biggest opening for the Halloween series. Um, also for a female-led um, movie with uh, an actress who's over 50 years old. Oh, so. Okay. Um, some some nice little milestones there, and we kind of predicted that it yes. was going to make all the money. Mike's going to shatter that shit. That's right. <laughs> that's right. So uh, let's go ahead and read the little synopsis. So Laurie Strode comes to her final confrontation. Final. <laughs> With Michael Myers, the masked figure who has haunted her since narrowly escaping uh, his killing spree on Halloween night four decades ago. Man, that makes me feel old. Um, Christian, thoughts? Are we well before that? Are we talking spoilers with this, or are we not talking? Spoilers? Absolutely spoilers. Okay. Um, we won't re- <laughs> we won't go through the whole movie plot yes. summary wise, but we'll talk spoilers. Well, to start off, I'll say this movie was a fun movie. Okay. It was fun. Um, my crowd was mostly laughing through a lot of it, mm-hmm. which Friday night. Yeah, it was Friday night. Okay. So I had, you know, Opening crowd. night, pretty much. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was fun. It was filled with, you know, some good killings. A little bit too many off-screen killings. Um, overall, I mean, it's a good attempt at a Halloween film. I don't know if it's what I would say is what I wanted out of it. So, Well, what did you want out of it? I don't know. I thought it would be a little bit more intense. Mm-hmm. I thought the confrontation between um, Laurie and him was going to be way more intense. Uh, it might be a, 
a little bit more of a battle. I did like what we got from that final moments between them, like her trying to trap him the entire time. Mm-hmm. I thought that was smart, but at the same time, I don't know. I It just didn't give me... There's too many moments, okay, that we have people doing the dumb Halloween, like, oh, I'm going to run into the forest instead of running straight to where I know help is. and Just the dumb slasher yes. movie tropes that we've seen. You know? And I felt like the movie po- poked at that a little bit too much. Like, we know what we are, so we're going to just do what we are. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of, you know, trying to do something different with it at this point. Yeah. I don't know. It felt like it was... Borderline, like, remake-ish at a point. I agree with that. I agree with that. Um, I agree with you that I felt like it was a fun movie. I enjoyed it overall. Mm. Um, but I did walk out of the theater slightly disappointed. I, I came to terms with that. Because it took me a while after seeing the movie to kind of, like, piece together, like, my thoughts on it. Mm. Uh, there are definitely, you know, big moments that I loved. I thought Jimmie Lee Curtis's performance as Laurie Strode and everything was fantastic. I thought she did a great job. Um, I, you know, and that was kind of something I struggled with, like, you know, before the film was released, knowing that it was based around her character, you know, knowing that we already had H2O. (laughs) Um, it felt like, well, what are you going to give me that I haven't seen before? You know, we kind of went down this road. I don't feel like I need Laurie Strode to make a good Halloween movie, Mm. you know. So, um, that being said, I felt like those moments with, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis and her performance is what really made this movie. Because otherwise, I feel like I would have been, like, completely disappointed with it. Because it felt like they were rehashing a lot of things that we've already seen, you know. Um, not just from the original, but from, like, the sequels, too. Mm. Um, they kind of fell in the trap that Friday the 13th's remake fell into. We kind of talked about yeah. it in the past, where, you know, they were kind of, like, playing, you know, greatest hits. Um, you know, from the scene that we saw in the trailer, you know, with him, you know, running into the kids on the streets and him going into the house and getting his weapon, you know, getting the knife. You know, that's directly from the second Halloween movie. Hmm. Um, it, it, I, her performance, though, I mean, really stole the show. You know, it wasn't over the top Sarah Connors, you know, which I was really scared of. I mean, it was a little over the top at times, but like the scene where she, you know, comes into, you know, the restaurant, you know, I, I believe the girl's graduating or something. Yeah. The, the I granddaughter it's graduation party. Yes. And she like sits down after Michael has been transferred and she is like falling apart and she chugs the glass of wine and she just lets out this cry. Like, I, like I, I felt like it was a really grounded performance and I understood and like, it, you know, it's like, okay, we're dealing with a woman who's seriously going through some serious like trauma and, you know, it felt real, you know, um, but that's kind of where that ends for me. Like her performance, Mm -hmm. like I, I didn't feel like the movie had a lot of atmosphere you know, which was strange. Like, there wasn't enough atmosphere happening with the movie. There wasn't enough suspense for me. I was really expecting to get, like, I don't know, those little, you know, what made Halloween, the first original Halloween work, was the atmosphere, was, you know, the suspense. 
you know, it was Michael stalking, you know, these babysitters, mm-hmm. um, you know, how he was always lurking in the shadows. We didn't get that with no. this movie. It was as very... soon as he, he's there, it's go time. Yes. Sure. Yes. So I was disappointed because I thought we were going to get more of a rehashing of that, mm. you know, Michael Myers, of that Halloween movie. But it felt like we were actually just playing like, you know, this modernized, you know, Michael Myers, you know, what people know of Michael Myers from the sequels, which mm. isn't a bad thing necessarily. Like, I love a lot of the sequels, don't get me wrong, but it just wasn't what I was expecting, you know. Um, and I, it felt like it just didn't do those moments well like at times like there wasn't enough suspense along with it that went along with it like the moment when after he gets the knife from you know the the older woman in the Mm -hmm. house and then he walks up you know into the other house and kills the the younger girl like it was just like uh it was a throwaway moment and it's so many of these moments too the bigger moments that we saw in the movie we saw in the trailers you know, so I almost, I feel like if I, maybe if I didn't see it in the trailers, like I would have enjoyed those moments more. Like the moment with the girl who's babysitting, yes, you know, I like the 10 year old kid, mm-hmm. like we kind of knew how that was going to play out. And that was such a big part of, you know, you know, Michael's killing spree. So, you know, I, that felt flat to me because of that. Like, we knew he was in the closet the entire time. That kid steals that whole That Yes, yes, he absolutely <laughs> does. That was a fantastic performance by that kid. Don't get me wrong, I love the kid. Um, and I liked, actually, the uh, the babysitter who was, you know, watching him. I thought she did a fantastic mm. job. There was lots of good performances in this movie. It just, it, it was the script, I felt like, that let them down. Yes. Like, I felt like that whole, you know, scenario could have been a lot more suspenseful. But, well, you have a killer just walking through a street where kids are having yeah. their trick-or-treating. It's pretty... But even, like, you know, my one problem, like, during the movie with that street scene and everything, like, one, it's a school night. They made sure to tell you that it was a school night. I have no idea why. And this is just me getting hung up on shit. But it was, like, one, like, there's, like, teenagers going to parties. They have this weird high school dance thing going on where I don't know what high school throws this party where, mm-hmm. like... You know, there's no adults there and, you know, in their gym. They just seem very bizarre and out of place. It's like, why did you make it known that it's a school night? Like, this would have played a lot better if it was, like, a weekend. Mm. You know, it would have made a lot more sense. But I was like, it's a school. Like, where are these people going? You know? <laughs> and the street felt way too crowded. You know, like, when Jamie Lee Curtis in the very beginning of Halloween is, you know, walking down the street, those streets are fucking dead. You know, there's a couple of trick-or-treaters, you know, running around and shit like that. But that leads to that atmosphere and her Mm -hmm. feeling like she's not alone, you know, her being stalked and everything. That leads, you know, lends itself to that suspense level. It, it, It just, I don't know. It, you know, and maybe it's just like, oh, is Michael just going to start slaughtering all these people as he's walking across? <laughs> Which he doesn't. No. So, and, and at least it's a question of why, how not a single person noticed this man walking around with a knife. Uh-huh. Well, the nurse does. The sexy nurse going into the car, like, stops and stares at him and then gets in the car. Like, I felt like, do like, is there a scene, like, on the, you know, cutting room floor that we didn't get? Like, it just felt out of place. That she kind of looks at him and then gets in the car. Well, he's also staring at her, and I thought that was supposed to be like, 
oh, I'm staring at you because I'm, I'm connecting the fact that you look like a nurse maybe from the hospital that I was just in. Oh, wow. I wasn't... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, my thing was like your dre- the way you're dressed, mm-hmm. you know, would set him off because of, That's you know, right. killing his sister, you know, after she had sex. So maybe that was, that was more of the connection I was getting, but I could definitely see that, you know, that'd be a deeper connection. I guess, kind of. Uh, well, he was a doctor and she was a nurse. That's all I was. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Then I was like, "Is this a Halloween two reference?" You know, even though <laughs> Halloween, 2, Halloween two didn't happen. Um, so that being said, um, a lot of people that I've heard like complained about the crazy doctor in this movie, <laughs> who was supposed to be the new Loomis, who mm-hmm. they literally said Jamie Lee Curtis literally said, "Oh, oh you're the new Loomis." Loomis. I was like, "Really?" Uh, I didn't mind his performance, you know, mm. like, you know, it was the mad doctor who, you know, spoilers, the big twist is, you know, he's the one who sets up the accident that frees. Well, and I guess they didn't really even say they that. They don't say that he did it. But it feels that mm. way. So, and, and I then will... he totally ends up, you know, mm. killing the police officer, the police chief who hits Michael Myers with his fucking car. Because fuck protocol. Like, mm. He just goes right out. I enjoyed that moment. But then, like, out of nowhere, the doctor, like, turns. Which I kind of... I was like, oh, dude, this dude. Because I had two theories going on. Because they didn't show you what the hell happened with that accident. I was like, either it was him, the doctor, or it was Lori. Because part of That's story- what I was... Th- I was like, when she goes to back to the restaurant and everything, and she's all frazzled by this, I'm like, did she just free him? Yeah, like she's been waiting to kill him and all this stuff. I was like, was this all her fault? Yes, but I, that's and what I, I kept was on thinking. I felt sad like, that it wasn't that moment. I wanted her to be the reason at that point. As much as I enjoyed the doctor, and it was mm. all because of the just campy, you know, classic slasher like yeah. you know goodness that was going on there. Um, it felt very like Curse of Michael Myers Part Six. You know, having the doctor like being the one who frees him and everything. Um, I thought the more interesting choice would be to have Lori mm-hmm. be the one who freed him and have like she freed him so she could get a shot at him, um, you know, or because you know she was trying to kill him and it accidentally really you know she accidentally re- releases him. Um, I thought that would be more of the interesting choice. Yeah, that's exactly what I was waiting for her to say at that dinner table. Like, I released him. Yes. Like, you know, oh. And she says, I pray every night for mm-hmm. this, you know, day to come or something like that. And the, the police chief's like, why would you do that? <laughs> um, you know, so, I mean, I don't know. I the don't mayor's know. also an idiot. Why would you not just, cook, like... At least warn families that there's a criminal on the loose. Who? Which one was the mayor? The the African American guy who's just like, well, we can't cancel Halloween. And I understand. Was he the a, mayor? I couldn't figure out. Who, was he the mayor, or, or was, was he, he just another police officer? Like a I believe or he was above, um, at least above the chief. Okay. Okay. Some form of. Government. And it felt like he had more to do in this movie, and maybe it got trimmed down. Because it felt like he got some decent screen time in the beginning, mm. you know, with it, the, and then he just kind of disappeared, like. I was like, okay, who's this guy? What's his deal? Why is he wearing a cowboy hat? This is the Midwest. You know, like oh. that felt weird, <laughs> right? <laughs> like it felt like this movie's made by a bunch of Hollywood guys who've never been to like Illinois. Like we don't walk around with cowboy hats on. It just seemed bizarre to me. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so. Also the uh, the weird 
boyfriend storyline with the daughter went absolutely nowhere. And he just disappeared, right? Like, he doesn't have a death scene. I I feel like that should have been happening. Like, he should, Michael Myers should have shown up at the school at some point. Yeah, and then the fact that, really, the granddaughter serves no purpose whatsoever. Besides just giving him a teenager to really chase after. Like, a couple teenagers to stalk. Um, Besides that, you know, the final scene everything, it really, you know, she had no part in, like, whatsoever. I did enjoy the parallels that they played with, you know, the fact that, you know, in the very beginning of the movie, the doctor said, you know, can, you know, Lori live without Michael and can Michael live without Lori? And, you know, the, I guess the podcasters, because I believe they said there were podcasters, um, were saying, you know, you know, did they make, you know, did they make another, you know, did Michael make another monster referring to like Lori as like a monster. Did the guy with the mask history. die? What? Because he seemed like he was still breathing after his attack. Oh, um, I'm pretty sure he's dead, man. I he guess. was pummeled pretty hard. So, the woman definitely died. Oh, yeah, she's dead. But like that's another like that scene. I'm sorry, we're we're off track. But that scene is totally rehashing a scene in H2O. There's like a toilet stall scene mm. just like that in H2O. Yeah. Where the mother and the child, they, they, like, Michael just takes the car, but it's very similar to that scene. So it's just a weird choice. <laughs> like, of all scenes, why would you, I was like, hoping a lot more for them, to too. I was hoping there would be a lot more to their story than just that, like, them coming to the realization that he is the boogeyman. And I really thought the one dude was going to end up being more of, like, the new Loomis, you know? Um, you know, him and the girl. Like, I thought that was going to be kind of, like, mm. we we're going to follow them more. Um, not the crazy doctor, yeah. But I knew, like, right off the bat, like you knew something was wrong with the doctor. The fact that he was letting the podcast guy like hold the mask out and taunt Michael with it, mm. I was like, okay, why something... he just walk around to the other side. The other I was way. like, why the fuck would he be? <laughs> it just, I don't know. You know what I said. I enjoyed the campiness, but I mean, why didn't he just walk around to the other side of the square since he wasn't paying attention? Oh, I don't know. I have no <laughs> idea. I mean, maybe because the other to inmates... his back. Maybe the other inmates, I don't know, because we don't want to really see his face. Mm. You know? I know we don't, but <laughs> I just thought it'd be um, Yeah, yeah. Uh, the score was fantastic. I enjoyed the score. Mm. I enjoyed what Car- Carpenter did. The uh, graveyard scene, when he has like the traditional, the shaped stalks playing, and then they have kind of the sirens you know, going at the same time, the big horns like blast in. Or whatever instrument it is that I thought that was fantastic. I really enjoyed that, um, but I felt like he kept the score true to you know what mm. he's done in the past, but he's updated it enough you know to make it like you know worthy of this movie. You know, and you really added something you know to it um, differently. So, um, but yeah, there's just so many things that I just. I enjoyed certain parts, but I kept on thinking you could have done this better. Yes. Like there's just certain scenes was like I, like I I needed to see Michael stalking more, you know, to get that old, you know, to get what works so well in the first Halloween, you know, updated for a new audience. You know, that's what I really wanted to see, you know, and I, I didn't get that. Um, like um, the kill of the best friend of theirs of the. Of the granddaughter i thought that worked very well 
mm-hmm. uh, with the lights flickering on and off, and then he like appears in different areas. Okay, and he's been like watching them the entire time. Like that works fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that and was I okay. felt like if you had that more stalking pace, and then you reached to a moment like that, that would have been way more. Yes, intense. but once again, see, like I keep on doing that. I was like, oh, I enjoyed this scene, but it would have been better if they did that. Exactly. <laughs> There's a lot of that going on, you know. After I, you know really kind of like digested the movie. I was like, oh, this worked really well. But why didn't they do this? Mm-hmm. Um, like the doctor stuff. You know, I keep on going back to the doctor stuff. Yeah, it was fun. And, you know, it was like, okay, here's this off-the-wall character, especially like when he puts on Michael's mask after killing the police chief. But I was like, did we really need that character? And was it, it was just totally a vehicle to like literally get him yes. to Lori's house. Um, and I almost still was thinking, is she working with the doctor, you know, to, to you know, because it just didn't make any sense, you know, like, I don't know. I just, I wanted them to go further with Lori dealing with this trauma. You know, if she's at that point where she's literally, you know, dedicated her life to training to take on Michael Myers mm-hmm. and training her daughter and like almost ruining her daughter's life, getting her taken away from her. At like a very young age, um, I feel like she would have, you know, a- attacked that bus, you know, and like tailed that bus all the way to Smith's Grove and like, you know, mm-hmm. or wherever they were taking him. I think he was at Smith's Grove and they were taking him to like another like facility. So it just felt like she wouldn't let Michael out of her sight. And that, that actually brings me to the conclusion. Like I enjoyed the whole sequence of, you know, the final battle of... Him being in the house and then she's like, you know, you know, has the, the, the shoe on the other foot and she's stalking Michael, mm-hmm. you know, through this. And you had all the little parallels from the first movie where she falls off, you know, the... Uh, the yes. what I, I love that moment where he t- turns back and she's gone. Yes. And the music played perfectly. Well. Yes. I was like, oh, that's great. She falls off the balcony, <laughs> you know, she's there. He turns around, looks down and she's mm-hmm. not there that was awesome, you know. Um, you know, her like stalking him throughout the house and everything. And then even to the point where, you know, he's at the basement door and then she's all of a sudden behind him, you know, in the background, you know, saying of course trick or treat. Uh, um, you know, I mean I enjoyed that, you know, as campy it was as it was. Um but then when she sets up this insanely elaborate trap. Yes insanely elaborate trap um and the 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 daughter by the way her daughter i thought did a great job who's uh scott lang's ex-wife in ant-man yes by the way judith gear yes here she's done a ton of roles i believe yes she was very like i was like i've seen you in something and then like dawned on me like halfway through the movie i was like oh i just saw you in ant-man um judy gear greer I'm pronouncing her name wrong, but yeah, she played Karen. So I thought she did great. And when she's like sitting there like, I can't do this. I can't do this. Please no. And then she sees him and then she's like, got you. And she shoots. I thought that was fucking badass. I enjoyed that. So, <laughs> um, but that whole elaborate trap that she set up, right? To watch Michael burn. She doesn't stay to watch him burn. Mm-hmm. I felt like her daughter and her granddaughter should have been like pulling her out of that fire. Like she would be trying to stay behind that would have been another to make to sure yeah. that he's dead. I felt like if she's in that state where she spent 40 years 
planning for his return, mm. which is just insane, you know, <laughs> as is. It feels like she would not leave that house until she's watching his corpse burn. But instead, of course, we get the setup mm. for a possible sequel. You know, they all leave the house. They're not too rattled that the dad is dead. <laughs> As a father, yes. I'd like to point that out. No one's like, where's daddy? You know, oh. whatever. <laughs> and then they just, you know, drive off. Um, you know, they have the little scene where they show uh, the granddaughter holding the knife. Which obviously I feel like is implying that she's now, you know, you have this like generational like, you know, trauma happening throughout the family. Um, but it just, it feels like really the moment would have been, you know, you know, no, you have to go, grandma. We have to like mm-hmm. literally knock you out to take you out of this house or them dying together. Like them both, you know, you know, burning alive in the fire. So I don't know. I don't know. Like, it just didn't go far enough with oh, Lori's storyline. Just for line, nitpicking for sake, though? Yeah. 40 years of planning and she didn't put bars on those windows to the door? <laughs> well, she wanted him to get in, though. I guess, but she could have died right there and there. Yes. It felt like he got in the house way too easy, too. Like, I felt like there was a way to get him into that house. So, because it did obviously feel like she wanted him to get in the house because she had the whole basement oh, yeah. trap set up. So, right? Am I right? Yeah. So, um, I liked that the kid in the beginning, I guess it was the boyfriend, right? The granddaughter's boyfriend who was like, or no, maybe it was the other kid who just disappears in this movie. A lot of characters like show up in this movie for a scene and then just disappear. Mm -hmm. But when they're like walking to school and she's like, I mean, he's like, so like three of her friends died. He does. Um, he's the one on the wall with a knife. Oh, okay. There you go. Okay. Which was an homage to the first movie too. So, um, he, yes, he's the guy on the motorcycle, right? Yeah. Okay, I didn't even piece that together. It's the same guy. Okay. <laughs> um, but the fact that, like, you know, he's totally, like, you know, four, I mean, three people died. People go through a lot more shit like this mm. all the time nowadays. Um, I thought that was funny, because that's literally what, like, half the internet was saying. Like, is she this crazy? Like, I feel like it would make more sense if, like, part two happened. Hmm. You know, at least in the continuity, you know, why she would be so insane about yeah. Michael and everything. But and I understand. Gone. Yes. <laughs> it's all gone. And I understand, like, you didn't want him to be the brother anymore. But I felt like you could still have used the same line to dismiss that, and it would have worked. Hmm. You know, people would have forgave that. Um, I don't know. I don't know. You know, it just 40 years of planning. Like, hmm. come on. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you feel like she would try to sneak into like Smith's Grove at some point? Yeah, or just move. I, I twenty years. I guess I get it a little bit. <laughs> twenty years is okay. Forty fucking years. <laughs> at some point, you make peace. Like you, like he's never gonna escape. It's gonna be fine. You know. Yeah. yeah. Something sets in. Yeah. Trauma. You just get tired of waiting, well, right? You know. I don't know. I don't fully... I'm not a trauma doctor. I'm not... No, and I thought her performance... I mean, yes, you know, I mean, yes. I don't know how, like, you know, someone who goes through PTSD thinks and, you know... I mean, I guess it depends on the individual. Mm. 40 years, that's a long fucking time. There's therapy. Yes. (laughs) 
Well, obviously she was refusing. Yes. I mean, a badass performance by Jamie Lee Curtis. Overall, it's definitely not the worst sequel that we've gotten from the no. Halloween movies, and there are some definitely big, bright spots in this movie. Um, but I was a little disappointed. I was a little disappointed. You know, I I enjoyed the ride, but I kind of walked out wanting more overall. So, Well, if you had to give this movie a rating out of five stars... I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it a three. All right. I'm gonna give it about a three and a half. Okay. You know, it's still fun enough. Um, maybe if you're gonna do kill after kill, show me every kill. That's just me. You know, I was okay, like with the kills and to bring up the violence in the movie. It felt like we were getting like you know almost Rob Zombies, mm-hmm. Michael Myers, right? Like. Just the physicality of, you know, him and the fact that he can literally, like, crush someone's head underneath his boots, uh, which was a badass scene. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) Um, So I was okay with not seeing everything because I felt like we saw a lot. But I don't know. Like, I would have sacrificed some of those kills, those bigger scenes or like I said, more suspense and more. Yeah, so I'm just saying for what we did get. Yeah, I would have rather seen it a little bit. That's yeah, just me. Uh, show me him stalking and killing someone, and mm-hmm. it could literally be him cutting someone's throat, and I'm good, or strangling someone. Um, I couldn't. Uh, he actually killed the kid. That was kind of crazy. I didn't expect that. The kid who's in the uh, uh, with his dad going hunting. Oh, to yes. discover. I didn't see that coming. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I thought you meant the African-American. Uh, what about the um and two like the baby scene? When he walks up and they're the, the yeah, crying. I thought the baby was. Oh, I was like, dead oh for sure. no, are they going down this road? <laughs> <laughs> that was a nice moment, um, but yeah. So Michael, even Michael has a standard, mm. I guess. <laughs> but yeah, no. Overall, I don't know, man. I was just kind of disappointed. I, maybe I'm just overhyped, and I just <laughs> I need to like revisit the movie in a mm. month or two. But I was a little disappointed. I guess it say. could have been a lot worse. Oh, absolutely. It could have been Halloween Resurrection. You could have Buster Rhymes fucking, you know, roundhouse kicking him. Yes, it could have been a lot worse. Buster Rhymes in the end again. Yes, this is definitely for me sequel-wise, and and this is right now. I have to revisit the movie, but it's middle of the pack, you know, when it comes to the sequels. Okay. You know, for me, it's definitely two still is, is the top of the sequels. So, I don't know, man. I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I mean, what where do you think... Because there's going to be a fucking sequel. Mm. They set that up, you know, for a sequel. They all three generations survived. <laughs> you know, we didn't see Michael burning. He just kind of disappeared. Um, where do you think they go? I see him easily chasing the granddaughter at this point. So do you think Jamie Lee's part of the sequel? I don't think so. I feel like, oh, maybe they'll do, hey, Grandma died. And it's like the funeral... Yeah. And then it kicks off from there. I'd be okay with that. I don't need Jamie Lee Curtis in the mm. next one. I feel like she's going to be in it, regardless, <laughs> but I would be okay with her walking away from the mm. franchise. I think this would be a good way for her, a good send-off for her. You know, she defeated Michael Myers. At least she thought, you know, let her die in peace mm. and, you know, pass the mantle on to the granddaughter. Um and I, I feel like like I, I enjoyed the character even though she was pretty much worthless <laughs> like I thought she had the chops to at least you know take on the mantle 
Um, if he's going to even go after her, though, because, I mean, really, it feels like the only reason he started after, you know, them was because he was just there. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like he'll still, some for some reason, tie it into the Strode family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I kind of want to get away from the Strodes. I really do. So if they're not family at this point, if they're not literally mm-hmm. related to Michael, I don't see the point. Just hey man, bring back Busto, all right? Oh God, please don't! <laughs> Give me that reality TV series. <laughs> please don't! Oh Jesus! Uh, or bring back Paul Rudd. He was in Part Six. He was you, Tommy you think, Dole. You think that's the Ant Man tie-in? You know the quantum. We do way. have we do have a nice Ant Man tie-in, right? <laughs> Though you have his ex-wife in this movie, Paul. Uh, you know, hey, whatever. <laughs> His daughter becomes... It made movie. It, it made money, you know. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> the quantum realm's a hell of a thing. <laughs> Paul Rudd would do it. Oh, yeah. He's a cool guy. <laughs> if not, he'll, he'll make a camp Just for or us. something. Yeah, yeah. Good old Tommy Doyle. So, but yeah. Eh, now I have something to push on him if we ever run into him. Do a Halloween movie. Come on, man. Bring it back. Update pause. Accessing promo. Hi, I'm Nick. I'm Dan. And we're from the St. Paul Filmcast. And we talk movies. Yeah, we talk independent, local, classical, modern, and even new films. And where can they find us, Nick? Well... You guys can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. You can also find us on Twitter at stpaulfilmcast. Hope you show up. Yeah, we hope so. Um, once again, that's the St. Paul Filmcast. And now back to your regular scheduled programming. I always wanted to say that. Update on pause. Processing wrestling. Accessing episode 44. <laughs> so next up, we've got the SmackDown's Women's Championship match. Yes. Becky Lynch defeats Charlotte Flair to retain the title in a last woman standing match. Match of the night? Yes, absolutely phenomenal. God damn, this was a good match. I mean, to me, this might be match of the year. Um, this was probably my favorite WWE match mm. this year. Um, they left everything out there everything clicked um you could tell they just know each other so well mm. um i love just the way the match was worked i mean it was peaks and valleys a lot of the time with this match um but they definitely you know knew how to stretch those moments out um to make everything mean something um it was hard hitting it was vicious um it just, I mean, their chemistry is so fantastic now. I know they've been working together for a little bit. I mean, mm-hmm. throughout their careers, but this past, like, month or two, um, I feel like they just know each other now in the ring. I mean, it, it just, it really showed out there. So, and I, they just got enough time. They got enough time, finally. Yes. You know, it wasn't rushed. I mean, I know a lot of people were upset that this wasn't the main event, and I understand why, but... Man, we still got an awesome match. You know, and I didn't know who was gonna win this. I really did. I wouldn't have been surprised if Charlotte would have walked away with the title. Um there's you know, some after... big moments there where I thought she was going to. <laughs> yes. Like after when she rises from all the rubble, I thought at that point yes. Charlotte 
going to win, but... Yeah, so Becky buries her underneath everything, and then Charlotte has this really cool moment where she, like, digs herself up and, you know, basically, you know, unburies herself from everything. Um, and she's got this, like, look on her face, like, and Becky looks terrified. <laughs> so I thought, okay, Charlotte's going to win this match. Which was great heel work from Becky at that moment, too, or she looked cowardly at that point. Yes, and there was, uh, there was a few moments where Becky, like, actually ran and everything. We're seeing that from her. You know, she's working as a classic heel mm-hmm. here. Uh, she doesn't insult the crowd enough, I don't think. Um, but, my God, she is the most over wrestler in WWE. Um, I feel like she gets the biggest reaction. Mm. I I don't think you could even, I don't know. I mean, like her and Rhonda are like neck and neck, honestly. Um, and I think Becky has the edge on her, honestly. Um, just the crowd is so into mm. her, you know, and just throughout this match, to the point where you feel bad for Charlotte. Because <laughs> she's done nothing to get yes. any kind of like what? heat, but... Whatever. And so then, she's going up against the wrong person. Yes. Yes, pretty much. Um, but, man, they just, I mean, everything was working. I, I There was not, like, a moment in this match mm-hmm. where, like, I was, you know, like, questioning a move or, you know, it, it just felt flawless. Yes. So, I mean, they told a great story in the ring, too. Um, you know, Charlotte, you know, having to, like, battle, you know, um, you know, for her life against, you know, a monster heel who's willing to do whatever it takes to put her down. And Becky, I mean, just literally, you know, throwing her body, you know, out there on the line and putting herself through hell just to keep Charlotte down. I mean, that leg dropped through the table Mm. was a great spot. Um, They, I mean, they were using, you know, ladders, chairs. That There was that moment where they were just throwing, throwing chairs, chairs into in. the ring. You know, that's some fucking classic ECW shit there. And I thought after one slam onto the chairs, that would be it. But then mm-hmm. then you got both of them got a slam onto yes. the chairs. Yes, yes. Like, oh, wow. Oh, and then the ladder, when um, she ended up, it was a suplex onto the, uh, she used. Uh, it was the Bex bloater onto the yes ladder. that's right yes and she, yeah charlotte fucking hit that edge mm-hmm. you know with her lower back that looked painful charlotte fucking sells though man i she lets out these screams and these cries mm-hmm. you know for these moves that makes you really feel everything that she's going through um Man, I, I think the only that. moment in that match that didn't translate well for me was the uh, figure four through the ladder. It felt a little awkward for mm. a second. Like, she wasn't quite sure what she was going to do. And but she... it, moved, it moves past that so quickly. That yeah, well, she pulled an audible, it seemed like, at first, and then she went back to it, mm. and then it worked. So I was okay with it in the long run. But it was, man, great match and a great story in the ring. Yes. So... Uh, this, I mean, this took me right back to uh, Becky versus Sasha with the crowd reaction. Everything just felt right. Mm-hmm. Uh, back, uh, that was like Becky's like big match that really got her the attention. Yes, back in put her on the map. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Um, the the ending of the match, you know, the power bomb, you know, yes, off the onto, apron, onto yes, the onto the table. Man, she took that squarely too. That was a nice fucking bump. Um, and just the look of relief on Becky's face when Charlotte finally stayed down. Um, you know, it almost, at times it felt like Charlotte was a monster mm-hmm. <laughs> that Becky just could not vanquish. And, you know, just seeing her, like, facials, you know, throughout the match and then finally getting that relief of I finally, like, defeated her. You know, she stayed down. It was fantastic. It was a great moment. Um, and just 
man, so well performed by Lynch. Just, I mean, you know, both women's, you know, facials throughout this match really put over, you know, what was going on in the ring. Facials are so important in mm-hmm. wrestling, and, you know, and it, it is truly an art form. Um, Rhonda does a great job of that also. You know, her facials are fantastic. Yeah, and we'll get, I mean, we'll get to that. Yeah, next but, time, um, sure. but yeah, you know, uh, Charlotte and Becky, you know, really are textbook, like, on how to, like, you know, get something over using, you know, expressions, your facial expressions. So, um, man, I just, I'm, I'm curious to see where they go with the two now. Like, mm. if this was, like, the last, you know, you know, chapter of their, you know, rivalry, you know, at the moment. I mean, I'm sure they'll get back to it, but... I wouldn't mind them taking a break from them fighting right now. And yeah. Have, uh, Becky go up against someone else. Yeah, well, it sounds like, too... Not to talk too much about, you know, mm. what we saw in Raw. It sounds like those two are going to be facing each other at Survivor Series. I don't know. Uh, not Charlotte and mm. Becky, I'm uh, sorry. Rhonda, Rhonda and uh, Becky. Um, I was, at this point, like how hot both of them are and how over they are, I was expecting to see them almost at WrestleMania. Like, I was like, do they, you know, save that for Mania mm. as, like, a big, like, match? Or, you know, because I feel like they're the two most over wrestlers they have in the company right now. But I guess they're going to do it at uh, Survivor Series. I guess they probably want to leave the ability for title changes to happen at Mania. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I guess they did this kind of last year where you had champ versus champ. Mm. Um, you know, I was I was kind of hoping to see, you know, like to see team versus team with those two. Um, I thought it'd be fun to see like Charlotte and Becky have to be on, you know, the same mm-hmm. team. And that'd be a way of continuing their story, but not having each other, you know, like have to face each other. Um, you know, and you know what Survivor Series is only three weeks away, so it's close. So we'll see, like, where they, yeah. It's <sighs> November this week, man. <laughs> the end of this week is fucking November. It's crazy. Hmm. So we'll see where they go with it. But right now they're strongly hinting that I think it's going to be uh, Becky versus Rhonda. So I think they literally said it on hmm. Raw. But like I said, I only watched a few minutes here and there. Accessing episode 24. Just awesome. Yes. <laughs> and then we ended with the main events of the night, which of course was Okada versus Omega. Two out of three falls, no time limit. Um, what what time did you predict again? I think it was, you said an hour and 30 minutes, and that's about how long this match went. Uh, I think it was, yeah, it was uh, uh, under an hour and 10. So it okay. did go over an hour, um, which I felt like there's no way. Like, I think last match they had was mm. an hour. Or no, they had an hour time limit draw. Yeah. Um. So I wasn't surprised. Once they said, you know, no time limit, I was like, they're going over an hour. There's no way. Um. That being said, this was an extremely well-paced match. I was really, really just impressed mm. with the match that they put together. Um, I was, I think I was telling you off mic, this is probably my favorite match out of the series, um, between them, just because I felt like it was just the culmination of like everything Mm. that's happened in all the other matches. They did so many like callbacks to, you know, the other matches, different spots and everything. And we just, you know, where it was like, oh, okay, I know what's going to happen here. And they would just change it up on you and like, Mm. oh shit, you know? Um, when um, when Okada was running at Kenny mm-hmm. full speed, um, you know, and I, you know, thought obviously, okay, he's just going to jump over the barrier on Kenny, and then Kenny hits that V trigger out of nowhere, 
And I legitimately thought, like, he broke Okada's <laughs> fucking arm. No, that was a great moment. Yes. And the way he, Okada was selling that shit, man. Mm. And, and maybe it wasn't selling. Maybe he really did <laughs> fuck himself up on that. But, I mean, what an awesome moment. I mean, really. And just the pacing and just, I mean, I loved that. I believe the first fall came, like, a half hour in. But I liked that it was kind of like he just caught him. You know, because really that was Omega's, you know, that half hour was all Omega, really. Um, and then, you know, Okada caught him. And they yes. did such a great job setting that up um, because they kept on talking. The announcers kept on really talking about how whoever wins that first fall, you know, it, it just has the momentum and it's going to be tough to overcome, you know. And they kept on selling that. And then when Okada wins that first fall, I thought Callus did a great job of just selling, you know, mm. how dire the situation is for Omega, you know, to have to pin Okada twice in one match, you know, let alone one time, mm-hmm. um, back to back like that, you know, just huge. But then once again, like I start thinking wrestling logic, I was like, okay, they're, <laughs> they're putting this over too much, mm. you know, uh, Omega's winning. So, um, but it was still fantastic regardless to watch it all unfold. Um, but yeah, what was one of your favorite moments? Um, I definitely did like, which I, I always hate when they do too many reversals, but I did like it when Okada caught him like that, when they do the reversal into the Rainmaker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, cause it's just, it always comes like out of nowhere. That's when you know that's definitely getting a pin as well. Uh-huh. Uh, when he doesn't just grab. Uh-huh. <laughs> when you see him grab that wrist. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think what was another great moment because you already mentioned my um flying knee pretty much that was <laughs> <laughs> so brutal it was like a car crash mm-hmm. right um, there's just so many the pace was incredible though because they were going and going and going but it made perfect sense for the match because then once they hit that hour they were just selling how exhausted mm-hmm. they were Oh, yeah, um, and definitely, like, the stares back at each other. Yes, and they're just on the ground, and they're just hitting each other, and they have nothing behind their punches. Mm. And then Okada hits the Rainmaker, and he has nothing on it. He just, he collapses instead of Omega, which I thought was just fantastic. Um, oh, so was that supposed to be, like, kind of a callback to Omega collapsing? Yes, exactly. That That's what sense. I took it as. Okay. Um, and the fact that they took the time um, to put all those little spots in there to call mm. back to the, all their, you know, their series. New Japan does such a great job with that. Cause we've seen that in other matches, especially with Kenny's matches where he did like a homage to, I gotta everyone. give the credit all to Kenny though. I think mm. that's a Kenny thing. You know, I think he, you know, he sees wrestling the way it should be seen, you know, like HBK used to see it as like an art form, you know, Shawn Michaels would do a lot of things like that where, you know, you'd have those callbacks and those big moments mm. and he would really milk them. And I feel like, Kenny gets it, you know, and he he puts those in his matches. Not only can he do anything in the ring, but he knows how to tell a story in the mm. ring, and that puts him above the rest, um, you know. And you know, and that once again with Okada too, you know, we got to give him credit. Um, but just my God, just a great story being told, mm. and to have it, you know, on you know to end this night and just having this big moment. You know, I did feel like once they announced the match, I did feel like he was going to go over here just because it felt like out of nowhere and just, it felt like, you know, the momentum was on his side. Yeah. We had like, I mean, when they announced it, that was really like, he was on this streak of breaking out of the records that he hadn't beaten before. Mm -hmm. 
And this felt like this was the last challenge for him. And I, it, that does make sense. That mm-hmm. does make sense. And I don't know where they go with Okada, you know. So I could have, I could have seen that happening where, you know, but I just don't know where Okada goes from here. I know. Uh, does he, does he enter the G one? Oh, he, oh, he's a G one. No you know, what. but I'm saying, do you feel like he'll win the G one? Do you feel like that's his road? Like, will it be? You know, will we get Kenny and Okada? Do they hold the the rematch off to then? I could see it. I you mean, know. they're both they're both going to be interacting between them, but mm-hmm. I could totally see Because we know they win. announced, you know, after the fact that, you know, it's going to be Rhodes versus Kenny at the Cow Palace. Um, but I feel like that's just kind of a pit stop. You know, I don't feel like that's going to be a major program. Um, you know, that's just kind of to please us Westerners. <laughs> um, I mean... You, not that I'm not going to be completely invested in that match, mm-hmm. um, but I don't know. I don't know. Just, I mean, God, what a great story. You know, what a well-executed match. I love the fact that he hit the one-winged angel the for this his first pinfall. Um, because I felt like if he would have done anything else, it would have been completely predictable that he was going to, you know, get the last, you know, pinfall. Because I just didn't see him going back-to-back like that with the, you know, one-winged angel. But I'm glad he did because yes. it just was seamless. So, um, just such a well put together match, you know. How did you feel about the um, John Bucks showing up? I get it. I wish they would have waited mm-hmm. a few minutes. You know, um, I understand what they're trying to go for storyline wise. Um, God, I don't know if I'm just like. A, a traditionalist like I did I I understand why like they go to present Kenny with the title mm. and Kenny kind of like pushes the title aside and then he hugs on um, Matt and Nick and that part kind of irked me a little you know because this is what Kenny's been you know fighting for so, for so hard long, yeah. and I guess the whole message there because I mean it was definitely on purpose you know, was that, you know, his friends, his family means more to him than anything. Um, I don't know. And I, I just wish there would have been a little more of a moment for Okada at the end, too. You know, like, I mean, God, I mean, what a fucking run mm. with the belt. I mean, I love the shot that they did where it's just the one dollar on the... At um, the end? Yeah. Yeah, I that thought was that was amazing. a cool shot, too. But, but, like, when they didn't come till, like, after... Was that the, after the press conference? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. Like, maybe have that happen before the press conference. Mm. But I just... Yeah, that was very cinematic, though, right? <laughs> um, but, yeah, I just... I, I, I really wish... It, it was almost awkward, and I feel like the camera was too focused on the Young Bucks. Yeah, after they should moment. have shown Okada leaving more and yeah. dealing with his loss. And give me some time with... Omega celebrating the mm. ring and just have that moment, you know, to himself for a second with the belt, you know, and then, you know, you have him turn around and be surprised by the young bucks there and then they can do the big group hug and everything. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. So, I mean, I understand what they're going for. I just, I don't know, I guess I wasn't a huge fan of that. So, um, how do you feel about the Golden Elite? I don't see it lasting very long at all. Yeah. I just it doesn't feel like something Kota would be a part of. Right. And, and and the whole like 
friendship and family stuff that he just kept spouting on just felt weird in that whole situation. With like, Kenny? Yeah, with Kenny kept saying, like, oh, the only reason I was able to win was because of my friends all working together and being apart, like, being together. It just... But they weren't together at that point. I know. You're talking about, like, to where he got to at this point? But that's what he kept saying. Yeah. It just felt weird. The fact that the Bucks have those titles and, you know, the Golden Loves are a tag team, mm-hmm. it just feels like that's going to eventually, you know, explode. So, um, so I wouldn't be surprised if that happens sooner than later. You know, I don't know. I mean, I don't see, like, Cody walking away with the belt, though. I don't mm-hmm. see any, you know, storyline where, like, Cody, any scenario where Cody walks away with that belt. You know, not now. But, I mean... No, not right at the moment. Well, know. I mean, we don't know because look at look at what we got out of this pay-per-view with almost all um, uh, so you think foreign possibly, talent like, just wiping clean, you know? I may be huge, but I just don't... I don't know. I don't know. See, like, Cody get that? <laughs> I, I almost feel like it's too soon. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I feel they're like... They're behind him, obviously. They yeah. love him. I feel but, like we'll get Okada going for a rematch before that, at least. And really, because they've been building, they've been building Cody, though. They have been, just like very subtle. Because he went over at Bushi, mm-hmm. you know, so I feel like they're kind of like s- slowly, you know, building him. Yeah, and they um, were stating that whoever, like, would win that match would be destined to get a title. Mm-hmm. That's what they kept mentioning during that. Yeah, game. so, I mean, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I, I still feel like it's going to be a one-off though between those two, and then you know you're going to have Omega and Okada going at it again, or you know a new challenger, or somehow it's going to explode between the Young Bucks and Kenny. But I mean, it would be a cool moment for the Bucks to like all of a sudden turn on Kenny during that match, mm-hmm. and then Cody walks away with that title. I mean, God, the heat. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine like if his his title reign only lasts like a couple weeks? Because that, be, that I, the Cow Palace, I think, is in, like, July, early July. So, I mean, my God. I mean, that would be just That'd a new killer heat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and he's my favorite heel right now in the business. I mean, looking at, looking at G1, it'd be interesting to have... I don't know if Cody's going to be in G1 or not this year. I feel like he would be. But it'd be interesting to see a finals between Okada versus Cody. It'd be cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, uh, I Okada hasn't match. won since 2014, but he's already won twice. Who? Okada? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see... Hmm. If Kenny still has the belt, I could see definitely Okada, you know, winning. Mm-hmm. You know, and having the rematch at Russell Kingdom. That makes sense. You know, storyline-wise. Logic-wise, that makes sense. So, Omega drops the Tranquilos... Uh, line mm-hmm. you know in his like you know speech afterwards which i, I mean that like, was a match. little mock mm-hmm. you know at nido so not that we haven't seen it before but no but it would be it would be cool for to that see. title oh yeah you know that would be awesome but i feel like nido owes like okada something i feel like that still needs to happen mm-hmm. you know i i kind of wanted nido to beat okada for that belt if that was gonna happen <laughs> so, yeah i know um but you know whatever you know, I feel like he'll that belt's definitely going to be his soon, though. So, uh, if you were to give this pay per view a five star rating, I'd give it five stars. 
I would go full five stars. I mean, I can't. That Omega match, man. <laughs> Damn good match. And I, I thoroughly enjoy, you know, half of this card. Like, half this card I'd give, like, four to five stars. Mm. So, but, you know, that was such a great moment. And it's such a great match. I mean, it's one of my favorite matches probably of the past, like, decade. Um, I got, yeah, I got to give it five stars. I'm going to have to probably agree with you there. You know. It's just there were so many surprises, especially I didn't expect, you know, Chris Jericho to be winning. I didn't expect Hiramu to win. Um, Michael Elgin, I expected to win. But, (laughs) But yeah, I didn't, yeah, there's a lot of surprises on this card, Mm -hmm. you know, and I enjoyed that, you know, because I felt like a lot of the finishes, great matches, but it's been kind of predictable um, the last year. So, you know, this was refreshing. And they're under new management now, so... You know, they're definitely trying to appeal to a broader audience, a more worldwide audience. Mm-hmm. So um, it was kind of interesting. They just gave all the belts to white people, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> hey, new Canada pro wrestling, all right? Accessing episode 14. Been dead. Yeah. So, I mean, speaking of storylines, what are some of your favorite WrestleMania storylines? Um, give me three (laughs) three because we're already probably close to two hours now oh yeah so three wrestlemania storylines your top three and it doesn't have to be like oh this is the best because of this historically it could be like purely nostalgic base oh nostalgic base yes yes yeah i was starting to think of all the worst moments that could come up (laughs) just Um, moments that mean something storylines that mean something to you I mean, the build-up for CM Punk versus Undertaker was probably my favorite of that year. Especially with how disappointed I was with the main event being um, Rock, Rock versus Cena, Cena again. Yeah. Um, it was it was something that they gave him. And the way CM Punk sold that, even with Heyman on his side, he was still the main fixture of all that. Yes, yes. And that was some of the best heel work mm. I've seen in a long time. You know, the use of Paul Bearer's death. Yes. <laughs> To get over as they got on him laughing. It's horrible. But it, it was, I mean, it was awesome. It really was. I mean, Heyman coming dressed up as Paul Bearer mm. to, you know, lead CM Punk down the ring. Um, you know, all the stuff with the urn. He steals Paul Bearer's urn. is yeah. like juggling it around, you know. And numerous numerous promos. Um, just, just great work. I mean, it's good to know that, you know, they had Paul Bearer's family's yes. blessings. Because that would have been awful. I think this would be a different, you know, podcast um, if it was otherwise. But yeah, um, you know, we definitely would feel differently about it. But yeah, um, just awesomeness, you know, just really, really great work from CM Punk, you know, Mm. who was probably, you know, as we found out later, was disgruntled at this point. Yes. You know, but he didn't let it show, you know, work-wise. He really did put in a full effort and, you know, it was a great storyline. You know, it's a great way to, you know, go with the Undertaker. And as far as we're aware, Undertaker usually chooses his opponent, correct? Yes. Yes. And, you know, unfortunately for Punk, you know, there was nothing else for him mm. at that point. So he had to be in some big... I mean, he was coming off of, like, having the belt for over a year, yeah. right? 465 That's days, right? right. That's right. Um, so, but I, yeah, no. It still I, stings. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, so, you know, Cena and Rock had to have that belt, I guess. Whatever. I guess. Because, um, yeah, how great would have that match been if, you know, Punk had the title, too, on top of everything? 
you know, where Undertaker gets his revenge, mm-hmm. not only by beating him, but also taking the title from him after he held it for 500-some days or something like that. This would have been a better story. Yeah, it, would, it would. I mean, the story was good. Oh, no, no but, I mean, like, at Mania. Yes, yes, then, you know, Cena I was rooting for CM Punk to go against Rock and Cena that year. I was hoping yeah, for a triple Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that would have made sense. I don't think anyone would have been upset about that. Nope. But, you know, maybe besides Cena, you know, on The Rock. So, but whatever. At least he would have been in the main of... Yeah. That's a different story. Different uh-huh. podcast. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, great story. Mm. I agree. What What do you got next? Um, I'm trying to put them in an order. I'd probably have to say the build-up for Ric Flair versus Shawn Michaels was probably a really masterfully well done. Especially for at that time when I barely knew the characters and couldn't care less about the How old were you at the time? Well, it was 2007. Okay. It's 2018 now. (laughs) So uh, I was about. God, that was 11 years ago? Yeah, I was about 12 or 11. (laughs) Yeah, that was a great storyline, too. And that was two faces, you know, Mm -hmm. going at it. But, you know, Shawn Michaels having to do, you know, the job of you know putting old yeller down mm. basically um and they put on a great match on top of everything which you knew you're gonna yes. get um from that both calibers of athletes well, i didn't know i was gonna get that yeah well at the time were you did you become a rick flair fan after that did you go back and kind of watch his stuff oh uh, not at the time i didn't go back because i still was like grasping yeah what was, what was going on and you're 12 so mm. <laughs> I don't know, like it's not like now where you yeah, got the network. Yeah, there wasn't a category like um, catalog is what I meant to say. Yes, and yes. YouTube was still getting there. Yeah, and you'd have to buy a lot of DVDs <laughs> to catch up on Ric Flair's career. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, just made me love both of them even more. Mm. You know, I mean, it was a great storyline, and that moment at the end, you know, where yeah. he's, you know, I'm sorry, I love you, and gives him the super kick to finish him off. That's the true end of his career. Yes. Yes, ignore yes. everything else. Yes, please. Please do. <laughs> All of TNA. Um, so, but yeah, yeah. And you know what was great too is the celebration the next day. Mm. You know, the raw celebration where everyone came out to the ring for flair and everything and they let him retire in style. That was that was just, you know, a class act by, mm. by McMahon. So, um, that was really a big introduction to how dastardly and evil McMahon was for me as well. Because... You know, McMahon's just like, yeah, I want you to get fired. Yeah, I want you to be on the streets and not have, like, a career anymore mm-hmm. type of deal. And he was putting him in these hellacious matches every week. That's And that's right, because that was the storyline. Like, mm-hmm. if he lost any at any point, yes. he was done. Not just WrestleMania. And then the, the finale of that was, oh, now you're going to face Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania. Yeah, I mean, the only thing, the only person worse to face at WrestleMania would have been The Undertaker. Yes. You know, so that'd be a bit on the nose, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was that was a fun storyline. Mm. Yeah, I forgot about that aspect where if he lost to anyone at yes. any point, right? Yeah, yeah, and they weren't booking him strong at that point either. Like I think he that kind of came about where he mm. he like had a loss, and McMahon kind of got in his face in the back and told him, "You're done." You know, and Flair said, "No, I'm never going to retire." Well, <laughs> he doesn't pay the bills, mm. so um, yeah, no, no, fun storyline, really, really, and a great way for you know. A legend to go out. Exactly. So on the biggest stage of them all. And last but not least, of course, is Shawn Michaels versus Undertaker 2. Okay. Uh, just the whole build-up with him begging for the match, trying to get Undertaker to finally face him again, you know, regain that loss that he had from the previous year, really show um, that he could beat the Undertaker. It was just, 
you could really see the desperation. I don't know if uh, he had just taken extra acting classes at this point, but I was really bought into the entire storyline. Yeah. At that point. Yeah. You're talking about who? Michaels with that? Yeah, Michaels. You know, Michaels, when he wants to, he, I mean, he's one of the best of the Mikes. So, I mean, he really sold that whole storyline. And because, right, that was the whole Undertaker just refusing over and over again to take that. No, I'm done. I'm Yeah. Yeah, no, I have no reason to. And then, yeah, he had to put his career on the line. That was his offering Mm -hmm. to the Undertaker. Was that the mania where he came out? All, All in white. white? Yes. That's right. He, he like, lost his mind almost. That's how the kind of character it seems. Uh-huh. Like yeah. Just over this loss to Undertaker. Just, like, unhinged. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That was, that was a really, really interesting storyline. And something that I wasn't expecting at the time. Um, you know, I, cause I, I, I think, you know, every year you kind of heard that it might be the last year for Shawn mm-hmm. Michaels, but you didn't know for sure. Um, but, you know, the fact that, you know, this was it. Cause you just... Even then, you knew The Undertaker wasn't going to lose. So you kind of felt like, okay, you know, the writing's on the wall. This is it for Michaels. So, um, yeah, just, I mean, just a great way to go out, you know. Was that the year after? What WrestleMania was that? Was that the year after Flair? I think so. Wow. No, no, that would be two years after. Was it two years after? Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. An awesome way to go out. And I love that he's kind of resisted, you Mm. know, the urge to come back. You know, even though I feel like they probably call him every WrestleMania. Oh, yeah. um, I think we heard rumors last year with him and Styles. Mm. Like they wanted to, you know, have those two go at it in a dream I mean, match. he's not ready. He doesn't want to. Yeah, I mean, good, good I for mean, him. he's Mr. WrestleMania. They're going to keep going. There's no reason. Him, he but... kind of explained it too. Like, I, there's no benefit to it. You know, for me or for even AJ Styles at the time. You know, if I come out, you beat me. You beat an old retired guy. You know, if I come out, I beat you. I'm still going to be retired the next day, you know, and I buried someone, you know. Man, it sounds like something I would like to hear from a lot of other superstars. <laughs> well, you're not. So, <laughs> so my list, Um, let's see. First, we'll go, actually, yeah, we'll go from uh, bottom to top. So we'll do the first, number three for me is Daniel Bryan, WrestleMania 30. That was my number three i feel like that storyline everything even though at first it wasn't a storyline um was great because it was organic you know it was really the fans you know getting their voices heard even though they kept on you know misbooking the product Mm. over and over again you know the fans actually got their voices heard by you know mcmahon and he actually gave them what they wanted at that point i was really angry with the company okay so just that's i think that's why i was so against Daniel Bryan's year that year? Really? I was just like, so just upset with the way that they were booking things with was, Batista and... Was that with the CM Punk? Yeah, CM I was Punk after... Yeah. <laughs> I was just in an angst mood against yes. WWE at this point. Christian's a giant CM Punk fan, no. so, you know, and I, I am too, so... Not that I'm looking for him to return. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, right. so, but, so are you, so you blamed... You didn't blame Brian, but no, you're just no. kind of angst all over the company mm. and just kind of done with everything at that point. Yes. Because really, they were against Brian. Like, you know, it's not like this was predetermined, you know. Even just like, for some reason, the yes movement felt weirdly forced for me. Mm-hmm. Like, the way that they were using with the crowd going into the ring. and was At that, that point. But at that point, that's when they already knew, like, he was going to get the WrestleMania mode. That's mm-hmm. when they actually started booking it for WrestleMania. But before that, you know, when he had, like, when he wasn't even in the Rumble, 
Oh, yeah. You know, and, you know, the whole thing where the, with the Wyatts, you know, where they kind of turned up heel for mm-hmm. a little bit, you know, and the crowd refused to let him be heel. <laughs> really, it lasted like two weeks. Yeah, I wasn't um, against Brian. Yeah. I'm just saying, I was against the way that they were booking things at the time. I liked his angle of uh, Wyatt during that period. Uh-huh. I liked what they were doing. I liked that they teased the whole... Like, and he was having great matches. Mm-hmm. He really was. And he's a great worker. So I was glad to see someone who's definitely not the prototype, you know, uh, superstar mm-hmm. in Vince's, you know, mind. And seeing kind of that real life behind the scene aspect of the company come out into the limelight and, you know, getting this kind of, you know war between the fans and the office you know like this is what we want well this is what we want to give you we want to give you batista but we don't want batista Mm -hmm. you know um you know and i feel bad for batista because you know he's just kind of the innocent victim in all this you know he want he actually wants to come out as a heel he did not want to be a face you know at all you know um and he definitely i don't think he even wanted to win the rumble so um you know god even Rey mysterio got booed that that year it's just a mistake so just horribly booked you know but i'm glad that they write the ship and mm. I, they did it in grand fashion too you know he had a huge wrestlemania moment i mean one of the better moments in the last five years you know if not 10 years yes. um for the company um and the guy is still hugely over and will be a huge asset to them if you know if he can stay you know mm. healthy so um yeah yeah, this really made him. I mean, they misbooked him again right afterwards, you know, and then unfortunately he got injured. So mm-hmm. I think they had him like running from Kane in a parking lot like two weeks later. It was ridiculous. Um, so, but I'm glad that they actually pulled the trigger and let him have his moment and let the fans have their mm-hmm. moment, you know. It felt, it's one of the last things that felt like truly organic, you know, where the fans kind of got their voices heard. Um, but yeah, so that was my number three moment. Um, my number two moment is WrestleMania 12. Uh, Shawn Michaels versus Bret Hart in a 60-minute Iron Man match. Um, you know, Shawn Michaels finally having his boyhood dream finally come, in, come true. You know, the classic um, scene of him, you know, crying into the title. Um, just a great storyline. Shawn, the year before, was in the main of WrestleMania and actually failed against Diesel. Um, but he was kind of, you know, he was, I believe he was the heel in that match, but the fans were so behind him, um, you know, and this whole year was that, that redemption angle for him. Was this the match where they went all 60 minutes? Yes. Okay. Yes. They went 60 minutes and then he ended up, they got overtime basically. Mm. And that's when Michaels won. So, but you got awesome vignettes, like a lot of like training montages and everything like that, you know, some cheesy goodness. You know, but these were two of the best workers in the world going at it. Mm. So, you know, and it was definitely a baby face versus baby face, you know, type deal. But it was really well done. You know, it was great build up, unlike Styles versus Nakamura. Mm. <laughs> um, you know, where you kind of felt the heat between the two and, you know, they both want to be the best in the world. And, you know, they had a lot to chew, uh, a lot to prove. And um there was even an awesome angle between here where he had to beat Owens to keep his, you know, Royal Rumble, you know, main events, you know, um, contendership for WrestleMania against Owens. They did this whole concussion angle and everything that, you know, at the time, a lot of people thought was legit where he passed out in the ring, you know, during a match with um, Owens. Um, Owen, I should say, not Owens. Um, and it, yeah, just really well done, really well, like just well booked, you know, and great writing so and just the match paid off you know which that was a great match yes one of the better matches um 
you know, of that era. I um, keep waiting for them to kind of recreate that in another match going, like, uh, nowadays. Because mm-hmm. every time they have Iron Man matches, it always goes back and forth, the amount of points. Yeah, the, and it was ballsy, right? Because you didn't mm-hmm. have a pin at all happen during that match, you know, until the very end. So, I mean, you got it to go over time, you know, and then you kind of gave Hart, you know, a reason to be pissed off, you know, even though he was kind of going to do his own thing for a while. Um, you know, I think he actually ended up, you know, I, I, some weird Western TV show. He went, Lonesome Dove. There there you go. He went and he, like, was acting on Lonesome Dove for, like, huh. six months or something. So he was taking time off. But they actually worked the boys in the back where they made him believe that Hart was legitimately pissed off and, you know, was done with the company. Like, he didn't, like, shake hands with anyone. He just stormed off into his car and everything like that. And he thought he was going to come back to, like, you know, a, a match with Shawn Michaels, like a rematch. And for some reason, it wasn't in the cards. You know, but, yeah, just a great, great storyline, you know, and a great payoff, you know, at Mania. So that's my number two. And then my number one. The mega powers explode at WrestleMania <laughs> five. So this is when I first started watching wrestling, really. Mm. Um, WrestleMania three, I think I was, I think, I want to say it was right before WrestleMania four, but I like got the VHS tape of mm. WrestleMania three. I was watching it on TV and everything like that. I, you know, I tried to order WrestleMania three, but you know I couldn't at the time, being like eight. Um, but um, you know without my parents' permission, mind you. Um, so. I got to see WrestleMania five actually on pay-per-view at my friend's house. And the buildup for this was like pretty much a year and a half long. So you had the mega powers coming together. You had macho man turning face, you know, one of the top heels in the company turning face, you know, Hulk Hogan coming to his aid, um, you know, and then teaming up, you know, macho man winning the title and WrestleMania four, um, in the uh, big tournament that they had, you know, them being buddy-buddy and then like slowly throughout the year teasing this tension between the two and then just finally having them explode, if you will. Um, just great storytelling, mm-hmm. you know, it's definitely a slow burn, you know, yes. it won't work nowadays, I don't think. Oh, you I would have loved especially, that. Especially, yeah, was especially like, with like, you know, how many hours of TV that they do. Um, God, back then it was just on like superstars. It was just like syndicated TV you're watching and like the main event you got like once every like couple months um, on Saturday nights. But yeah, just, I mean, a great story. And I was such a huge macho man, Mark, you know, after he turned um, face and I was so heartbroken when he like finally turned on Hulk Hogan. Um, But yeah, no, I, you know, but secretly I still loved him, you know, you know, this is like nine year old me, mm. um, you know, so that just, and the match was, eh, it wasn't a great match or anything like that. You knew what was going to happen, obviously, but, um, just a great build up and a great storyline. So, the, you know, something that people still remember mm. is one of the classic feuds of all time. So yeah, that, that's storytelling, you know, <laughs> something we don't get nowadays. Nope. So, but yeah, so that's pretty much going to do it. You know, everyone, happy WrestleMania. <laughs> you know? We're going to see you on the other side. You know, sure. I hope you didn't rain on your parade too much. <laughs> <laughs> With all our doom and gloom. Um, I you mean, know. Hopefully we can say 
it was a good time after the fact. Yes, you know? exactly. Like I said, I there's all these talented athletes in the ring, you know. As long as they're given time and everything, mm. you know, they, they can overcome poor storytelling, you know, on the writer's, you know, part. Yeah. So, I mean, hopefully we're sitting here just praising the show next week. And I, I feel like next week will probably be just a huge review of WrestleMania. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so hopefully we'll be singing a different tune next week. Yes. So, but enjoy yourselves. Clips processed. Please reboot to complete 2019 installation. This has been a Drama City production. So, I don't know, man. I They've got... Man, there's a lot of people in this match. And a lot of people we don't know who's in this mm. match. We've got a, a Ahsoka, um, Ruby... Ahsoka, huh? Ahsoka. No. <laughs> now you're going to edit this. Yes, okay. I'll find Christian to edit this. I would have kept that in. <laughs> I know. Not Ahsoka. I'm, re- I'm looking at it. Ahsoka. Asuka, you Asuka, mean? Asuka, thank you. I'm looking at it. It looks like Ahsoka to me. Uh, so, yeah. So you, <laughs> she would be a great... That would be awesome. With dual lightsabers. Yeah. Just chopping, up, <laughs> chopping limbs off. Okay, let's start over. Mm.